Why, hello there, F this movie listeners. Santa here to wish you all a very merry Christmas. And not just a merry Christmas from me, but to let you all know that the F this movie team love you all and are very much hopeful that you've all been good this year because we all know what happens to good boys and girls don't we (laughs) and they also want you to tune in to the f this movie podcast for the f this movie holiday show on december 22nd (laughs) how wonderful and with that A very Merry Christmas to you all, and to all, a good night! Welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley, and I'm super excited for this week's show because we're doing Friday Night Double Features, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a column that we write once a month at FThisMovie.com with myself and my co-host for this episode, Mr. Adam Risky. Hi, Adam. Hi. I'm excited that we had the opportunity to watch more double features that we curated that's right and put to the test you know how are these in practice because so often it sounds like you know we're patting each other on the back for how clever we are in the (laughs) column but then it's just like i don't know but do these play and it's interesting to see because i think the only one that we did watch together was like one year on my birthday we watched dragon and rapid fire yeah we did and i don't remember what the theme was other than maybe like lee Uh, adjacent sure but it was good. It was really fun. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so the yeah for this show, I picked one of Patrick's uh, themed double features. He picked one of mine. Right. And that's what we're going to talk about later. And then at the end, we get to decide whose was better. Oh, okay. I'm I kidding. Like we don't wrinkle. really have to do that at we all. We could do that. <laughs> no, I have no preference. Uh, <laughs> they both have their strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, before we get into our double features, Adam, have you seen anything good lately? Uh, yeah. So I've, um, mainly been watching a lot of, uh, kind of like 2021 holiday releases. Okay. Um, so I'll start with the worst one because I want to get it out of the way. All right. I, and nobody has covered this movie on our show yet. Oh, good. I feel like we have to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, right. It's everything that's wrong with movies. Right, 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 right. right. And I don't understand why we gave Finn Wolfhard the keys to Hollywood. Did we, though? I think we did. Not really. Sort of. He did Stranger Things. He did It. Yeah. Which he was good in. I just... And now he's in Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was, like, like kind of a disappointment, like, box office-wise, right? I guess. I mean, it made, like, for pandemic... Like it was kind oh, of a okay. hit. Okay. It's sort of we're sort of like looking at things as like 1991 grosses again. <laughs> but um, no, it's just I, I find it so weird, and I'll kind of mention this too in in tandem with another new release that I'll bring up in a second. But it's so weird that 
you know, movies now are so they're they're limited in what they can make theatrically. So like budgets have to almost kind of be a little bit lower and the way that they cut corners is not by like making a story that's a more affordable at a lower budget. It's just like, well, we'll just have no stars in it. Right. And they don't need stars. They have IP. It's so it's it's just so frustrating cuz like the other movie I'm talking about is like West Side Story. It's like if if West Side Hello. Story came out, Ansel Elgort. <laughs> if West Side Story came out in the nineties, early early two thousands, yeah, it, the whole gimmick would be like, look at all these stars and sure, these sure, parts sure. and stuff. And now right. it's like, yeah, it's it's going to make your movie too expensive if we have stars. That's why Tom Hanks is in Apple TV movies, right? Right. So, anyways, Ghostbuster Afterlife made me dislike small towns it made me dislike <laughs> walmart it made me dislike ghostbusters um when they bring out the legacy cast it looks like they wheeled them out in a nursing home at gunpoint and put oh, them in boy. their costumes awesome um there's some real icky harold ramus stuff in it yeah all that stuff i i haven't seen it but yeah. i obviously had all that stuff spoiled for me and i was very disappointed to learn that I, i'm not surprised but no. i was a little bit like bummed out and then it's just it just misses the I'm not the first person to say this by any stretch but it just misses the whole point I think of Ghostbusters which is that worked because it was a comedy right starring three four comedic actors at the height of their power and right. talent at the right. time and that's why it was funny it wasn't because of member berries for like proton packs or cars or anything right. like that like it could have been like a toaster or a spork and it's like <laughs> it wouldn't have made a difference but like now that's all we it's a museum it's not a movie Ugh. it's really bad i'm hate, sorry to hear that i hated it and i hope ghost corpse closes but it's not your least favorite movie of the year no i know what your least favorite movie of the year is and by the time this <laughs> podcast goes up so will everyone else yes yeah no it's uh ghostbusters would afterlife would be i'm not a guy who does like worst lists, but it would be in my worst list. Okay, but Space Jam: A New Legacy is <laughs> one of the, and they both kind of suffer from yeah. the same sets of problems. I mean, yeah. Space Jam is bad in a lot of ways, but mm -hmm. in terms of like representing where we're at with IP filmmaking, they yeah. both sort of represent the the what's the opposite of the zenith. <laughs> the... <laughs> The, the valley, I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. They, <laughs> not the peak, the valley. How's that? Yeah, it's it's also like one of those movies where it's like these are supposed to be fun, right? Like what what happened to like you know our generation, so to speak, are the ones who have like the keys right now and are like the ones that are like in charge of making popular entertainment for the masses and stuff. And it's like we grew up on movies that. If it was a blockbuster or a tentpole or like whatever, it was they knew it was supposed to be fun, right? And like now it's like they somehow missed that on a mass level. It's really weird. I, I feel like Ghostbusters Afterlife was made, and I, again, I haven't seen it. I've only seen the marketing. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it was made for the people who were really upset about Ghostbusters 2016. Yeah. Which, to its credit, was at least a comedy first. It was, yeah, it was. I don't love that movie. I think it's okay. Yeah, I didn't think it was like an effective comedy. It's right. It was like a it was a bad comedy that also like 
slapped on the name Ghostbusters when it didn't need to. It could have just been like Crazy Plumbers, the movie, and like <laughs> it would have been like the same movie. They should have called it like, Evolution. Yeah, well, Evolution just looked like a fucking classic compared <laughs> to all these. Like, I was thinking that today, like, I was, I, while I was, like, zoning out at a ch- kid's play, I was, like, I was thinking about Ghostbusters Afterlife and Ghostbusters. Naturally. And I'm just, like, Ghostbusters 2 looks like a classic Oof. compared to, like, some of these things. And I was watching Home Alone 2, and I'm just, like, this Oof. is a triple, like, <laughs> like, compared to now. Like, this is a solid base hit. Um... I mentioned it already. I, I saw Finch on Apple TV. Right. And I will say I'm I'm digging the kind of DTV sort of career of Tom Hanks right, right now. Like he's in all, all these movies where he's he's like the whole thing and it's like maybe you got like a Stephen Graham in there in like Greyhound, but like in Finch, at least, it was just like the voice of the robot is um, what's his name, the squirrely guy from Get Out, the Caleb Landry Jones. Oh, okay, yeah, Caleb Landry Jones is the sure. voice, and he's good. Like I, th- and the thing that's nice about Finch is like you think it's going to be like this po- post-apocalyptic thing, and it's really just like I know that I'm dying. I need to build this robot to take care of my dog. And it's oh, like, wow. oh, this is like a really simple. I don't want to watch a movie where Tom Hanks knows he's dying. Well, all right, then you probably wouldn't like it. But like, <laughs> I like, I liked Finch. But like, I think that I'm the only person who likes like this. Like, it's like Finch, Greyhound, a hologram for the king, and stuff like that. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, that all right. played theaters. Come on, now. it did. It did play theaters. That was a uh, roadside attractions. Was it really? Yeah, they do good work. The Savoy of the 2010s. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> So I don't know. I it equally depresses me that like the greatest actor of like the 1990s basically is like relegated to these right. offshoot streaming curiosities now, but I don't know. I think like it's an in- he, you know, if he's kind of doing this late career thing, I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And he's the star and he's, you know, if that's what you're there for, you get what you want. So What's the last movie he made where, like, he acted opposite other movie stars? Because even News of the World doesn't really have any stars in it. Like, no. you can afford a Tom Hanks and then no one else. Inferno? Who else was Felicity in that? Jones? <laughs> Are we going to count her? Hold on. She became more of a star post-Rogue One. She's kind of like a star by proxy. Yeah. There's a lot of star by proxies going around right now. Sure. Let's see. Wiki, Tom Hanks. I'm just not remembering some of his recent movies, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but like Sully, did Sully have big names? Aaron Eckhart right. was the co-lead, or the second, the supporting lead in that one. Um, supporting lead. I made that up. Wait, That's no a, reservations, Eric and Aaron Eckhart's? It, we'll I, get what to, did I just say? I just fucked up both of those. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to no reservations. <laughs> it um, has so many quotable lines. Yeah. All right. So, like, backtracking. Okay. So, you got Finch. Yeah. News of the World. Yeah. Greyhound. Yeah. Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's Matthew Reese. No. Um, Toy Story 4 is kind of doesn't really count. No. The Post. The Post. Oh, yeah. Okay. Lots it, of yeah. stars in that one. Yeah. And then The Circle. So Are good. there stars in that one? Well, Emma Watson. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. 
Anyways, if you have Apple TV Plus and you don't know how to cancel it, <laughs> like me, you're speaking my language, yeah, sir. Then watch Finch. Okay. Um, I saw West Side Story. Yes, as did I. The remake that Spielberg directed, and yes. I I enjoyed it, but like I enjoyed it in a weird way because explain. The entire time I was watching it, I was very aware of. It was almost like I was taking like a directing class. Yeah, I was doing and the like, same thing. That's the lens that I was looking at the movie yep. in, because you know, West Side Story, the one from the '60s, is was like I was telling Jan this. It's like one of my gateway musicals. It was like that was the movie that kind of like turned me on to like under like musicals clicking for me at all. Okay. And I really like that movie, and I've watched it probably a half dozen times over the years. And whatever resonance the story has, I get that from the 60s version, even if the performances maybe aren't as strong as maybe some performances in the new one. I don't know. But, like, in this in this one, I just couldn't get past, you know, like, the comparison to the 60s version okay. on a storytelling level. The okay. characters didn't really, like, reach me. The songs weren't really reaching me. I was just watching it very much on, like a technical level like i was enjoying it the same way i would enjoy like murder on the orient express where i'm just like this is a beautiful looking movie i am hercule poirot (laughs) i may be the best detective in the world check out my mustache (laughs) on the nile i'm gonna just arrest the entire cast because they do bad stuff off screen um so yeah so it was weird because like i i I, I, it was nice to see, like, the one note that I took about West Side Story is, like, this felt like the first Spielberg in a while that has, like, the late career Scorsese energy, where it's like, we oh, okay. always talk about, like, right. how Scorsese, it's like, man, what an energetic movie yeah. that he's making for a man his age and everything. And I feel like Spielberg kind of went the Barker Lounger rate, rate for, like, 10, 15 years. Which isn't bad because, like, I like some of those movies, like Bridge of Spies and yeah, that's a really things good like movie. that. But like, I don't think he's made like a movie that's kind of like this caffeinated since maybe Munich. It's been like sure, a long time, sure, sure, sure. so it's Would nice you say to it's see. Been a while. It's been a while <laughs> since I gone fuck things up. Um, yeah, so I I dug it. I just didn't connect with it as much as I maybe wanted to. Yeah, I realized watching this version of West Side Story that I'm just not crazy about West Side Story. Yeah. Because uh, I've only seen the 61 version once, and that was for a podcast that I did with Robin. Mm-hmm. And my reaction was like, yeah, I didn't love West Side Story because I don't love West Side Story. Yeah. And this is a good production of it. The cast is giving it their all and Spielberg's directing the shit out of it. And Mm -hmm. I was doing the exact same thing. I was watching it really as a Spielberg movie and just watching all the stuff he does with the camera, watching all the stuff Janusz Kaminski does with the cinematography, looking at the costumes. Um, Never got sucked into the story, never Mm -hmm. lost myself in the music. And I know this show backwards and forwards because I was in it once. This is where I met my wife, Erica, was mm-hmm. in a production of West Side Story, which we've talked about before. So I know the show pretty well, and I still just don't care for it, uh, which is blasphemy, I know. But I thought the movie was very well done. It just – West Side Story is not for me. Yeah, I think it does some interesting tweaks with, like, the themes yeah. to update it. Yeah. Um, but it was weird because it was all stuff that I like, I appreciated after the fact, not, like, while it was happening. Oh, Okay. 
So I was just like, oh, it's interesting that they did this and it means this right, now and right. stuff like that. But like, as I was watching the movie, it was just I felt like this remove in a yeah. weird way. So it's like three stars is hell for me. Like it's just... <laughs> three stars is about right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't think Ansel Elgort can carry a movie, regardless yeah. of his canceled status sure. and his creepy behavior. And yeah. Like, we know all that stuff, so I'm not saying Ansel Elgort should get lots of chances and lots of work and all that stuff because if he's canceled, he's canceled, whatever. Mm. But watching this movie and thinking about Baby Driver, I'm like, I just don't think he's got it. And I remember you and I both really liking him mm-hmm. in the remake of Carrie. Yeah, in the beginning of his career, I was kind of stumping for him. I yeah. thought he was good. Like, I think he kind of has like a Modine type of vibe. And okay. I thought that early in his career, he had like the good, like married to the mob Modine thing. And now I'm just like, oh, he's like bye-bye love Modine. <laughs> <laughs> that is a weirdly good comparison because my memory of him and Carrie was like that he came at all of his lines from this weird angle yeah. that was unexpected and was mm-hmm. charming. And watching him in this, I just kind of saw him getting outpaced by everybody else in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, and, you know, I've heard a lot of good things about Rachel Zegler as Maria and stuff. But, like, for me, it's just she's got the she's got a tough assignment because she's the Julia Ormond and Sabrina right now. And it's just like, <laughs> right, it's right, like right. Natalie Wood is Natalie Wood. And that's kind of like. Because the, nobody can even – I don't even – and I'm a movie guy. I don't even remember the actor's name who played Tony in West Side Story. <laughs> but, like, I remember Natalie Wood. And, yeah. Um, to her credit, Rachel yeah. Ziegler does her own singing. She does. And it's lovely. But Natalie Wood, according to legend, used to post a shit list of people who were on her shit list on her dressing room door on the set of West Side Story, which really? is one of my favorite things ever. Interesting. She's just like, I just want everybody on set to know I hate these people and I will not talk to them. Well, you're going in my book. <laughs> no, what is it? Yeah. No. I actually have a book and your name is going. I can't remember the exact I'm going to have to file your name under chicken shit. <laughs> Because he says, like, well, I actually have. Yeah. And you're going in the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, other new movies. Yes. I uh, love this. I We both have seen Licorice Pizza. We have. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Um, I... I need to see it a second time to decide if it will be... I think it'll be on my top ten list somewhere. Um... I am not at loving it point yet, but I really liked it. It's a really fun hangout movie. There's some stuff in it that, like, has been mentioned as being problematic that I agree with one and wish wasn't in the movie and disagree with the other. Okay. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, But to focus on that is to ignore everything that's good about Licorice Pizza, and I think the... Two lead performances with Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman are really fun. Bradley Cooper is amazing in it. <laughs> that whole sequence, anything having to do with like that that getaway is some of the my favorite stuff in any movie this year. Yeah. It's real it's just it's, like a really good the, hangout movie. It's the Alfred Molina sequence in Boogie Nights. Yeah. I mean it's <laughs> it's like, oh my god, this is tense. It's great. Like not to spoil, this won't spoil anything, but there's a whole thing where it's like, it's like you're under arrest for murder, and 
when I think about it, sequence. when I think about it, it's just funnier and funnier to me. <laughs> like, I just think it's so funny. I think the punchline's really funny. Yeah. I don't totally understand what it's doing in the movie unless That's this is something that really happened to Gary, Gary, what's his name? Guts, Gutsman? Yeah. Gary Gertzman? Well, the, the guy that it's like loosely based on? Gary Guberman? Goberman? I don't know. He's like a producer. He was like Spielberg's producer yeah. or something like that. Yeah, but um, I like that it's so kind of vignette based. Yeah, Gary Gertzman. Gertzman. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good movie. And I've been Tom listening. Hanks' producing partner, apparently. Thank you. Yeah. So he's my big fat Greek wedding, so no wonder I like it. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I just, I just had a great time with it. I thought it was a really fun movie. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. I won't say too much about it now because it hasn't come out yet, but everybody should try to go see it. Yeah. I won't make the case that you have to see it in 70 millimeter because we saw it in 70 millimeter and I could tell no difference. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I saw Don't Look Up yesterday. Which yeah, <laughs> I should have just waited for Netflix, but like I wanted to when watch. When does it come out on Netflix? Do you know, December twenty fourth, and it's not a good Christmas. movie. Oh, it's gonna be my Christmas movie. Um, it's an Adam McKay Christmas, baby. Yeah. I uh, yeah, what we didn't learn from the Big Short and Vice. Um, oh boy, I only saw it like if it was any other actor in it. I don't think I would have seen it, but I really just am such a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan, and even when his movies aren't to my liking they're wor- they're worthy of seeing like he sure, always sure, like sure. makes something that's got thought put into it and i think like whatever success the movie has it's because of him and jennifer lawrence because those two and then there's a third actor rob morgan who kind of play like the level-headed scientists um they are the grounded portion of the movie and the satirical elements are everybody else around them with Rylance and Jonah Hill and Meryl Streep and Kate Blanchett and onward and on and so on. So they're on. all being funny. They're all being funny right. in quotes. And <laughs> right. it's just a nightmare. And like <laughs> I um I liked it more than Vice. It's not as good as the big short, and I didn't even really like the big short yeah. that much. Yeah. Um I think Adam McKay has sort of because he started like where he was like, isn't this stupid? And, like, it was funny because it was the other guys and stepbrothers and, like, Anchorman, and it was, like, juvenile, stupid humor. It's like, yeah, isn't this stupid? Let's all laugh together. And now he's kind of, like, the guy in high school who's just like, isn't this stupid? But then, like, that's his identity. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, he values nothing. Uh, And he just kind of – and I don't know what they're even satirizing at this point because, like, all these attitudes and opinions aren't, like, you know, making a farce of something that hasn't happened yet. It's just basically, like, they're taking everybody's reactions to COVID and then juxtaposing it onto a comet hitting Earth. Right, right, right. And – I mean, it's just so it just feels like you're wallowing in like the past two years. Fun. So it's a blast. Christmas movie. Christmas movie. There's like a mid credit scene. There's a post credit scene. Good. Every movie needs to have those. Um, it's a. I like where we're at. Yeah, I guess it works best as like a dis- like DiCaprio and Lawrence are in a disaster movie. Okay, and that works best. And then everything else that's invading their disaster movie is a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, he's now doing another movie with Jennifer Lawrence about the woman who invented the blood testing technology. Okay. Did you see that documentary? I know of it. I, yeah. I didn't watch it. It's, the documentary is great. Okay. Uh, I'm less interested in his hilarious take on it, but yeah. uh, Jennifer Lawrence is very well cast. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that she's back in movies. Me too. Because she was on a break for a while. Right. Um, and then the last one I got was, um, everybody, you know, was talking yesterday about the 23rd anniversary of Star Trek Insurrection. <laughs> so I was like, I should probably watch Star Trek Inter- Insurrection for yes! the first time. Because I still haven't seen Nemesis and I still haven't seen Insurrection. Nemesis is rough. Nemesis is an O2 movie, though, so I can watch oh, that next wow. year. But Insurrection, if I, if I didn't watch it on the 23rd anniversary, when would I have another good point. opportunity? Good point. And I I dug Star Trek Insurrection. I don't think it's as good as like First Contact or maybe even Generations, but I had a I had fun with Insurrection and like I was telling you and Rob, I think like I like that it's kind of like. A little bit of a, a demure, thirsty <laughs> Star Trek, right? Um, I like that it's kind of at the, the kind of pitch of like one of the TNG TV episodes, more or less, with yeah. like just selective action moments. Yeah, um, it's good. Patrick Stewart. It just kind of was like a fun comfort blanket type of watch, so I enjoyed it. Yeah, it often makes the list of like the worst Star Trek movies, mm-hmm. and while it's certainly in the lower half, yeah. The only one that I would like act say is actively bad is probably Nemesis, and I haven't watched it in a long time. Mm-hmm. But like Insurrection, you know, the big criticism about it is kind of what you just mentioned. Like, well, it just feels like a bloated episode of Next Generation. But I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. Like, yeah, an hour and forty minute Next Generation. Sure, mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. Yeah, and uh, F. Murray Abraham playing like the stretchy lady from Brazil. Right, Catherine Hellman. Yeah, what's what's not to like about what's that? What's not to like, you sons of bitches? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I almost did a double feature where I was just like, I should do another December '98, mm-hmm. and then I was like, what else should I pick that I haven't seen? And I came this close to watching either Shakespeare in Love, which somehow I've never seen, no kidding, or Stepmom, and then I was just like, <sighs> I'm gonna go take a shower, and then I did that, and then I went to bed. <laughs> I have seen Stepmom, but I haven't seen it since December '98. Yeah. Maybe it's improved, like wine. I will save Stepmom for the next Columbus Day, where I take <laughs> off of work and I just binge Chris Columbus movies. <laughs> Do you have a date for Columbus Day? Yeah. It shouldn't be Columbus Day. What are you talking about? Do I have a day for like, <laughs> like, like a? I'm saying when you celebrate Columbus Day, oh, yeah, it yeah. shouldn't be on actual Columbus Day, which is now like Indigenous Peoples Day. Oh, I see. I'm what saying, you're saying you need to create your own Columbus Day and pick a date. You I know, think you don't have to do it right now, but well, I got. I, I, I mean, I'm gonna if I'm gonna do the math, I'm gonna do the math. I'm gonna crunch <laughs> some numbers. I'm gonna like. Go back, look at Chris Columbus's entire filmography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find out what the mean, median, and modes are <laughs> of these release dates, and whatever. I think he had most of his releases like in November because I could think of like Doubtfire and the Harry yeah. Potters and yeah. the Home Alones. So I think I'm That's gonna have to month, pick like baby. a November. Yeah. When did uh, uh, I Love You, Beth Cooper come out? You know, that's I feel like that was a summer joint. That was a summer joint. Yeah. That is not a good movie. No, no. Not. And I watched it even after watching Love. I think because Love made me a fan of Paul Rust. 
Mm-hmm. And so then I went back and watched I Love You, Beth Cooper. Oh, is he the lead in I Love he You, Beth sure Cooper? He sure is. Okay, yeah. It's not good. No, I never saw it, but uh, I missed a lot of late career Columbus. Mm. There's time. Yeah. There's Columbus Day. He's one of my guys. Yeah. That's why I'm saying you got to yeah. catch up. He's he's. I think he's like a sneakily slept on director. Okay. I think he's made some duds, but like... What are the really good ones? Obviously, first Harry Potter... I think I could name on two hands good Columbus. Home Alone. Home Alone. First Harry Potter. I'll take both Home Alones, both Harry Potters. I feel like this is cheating. <laughs> Only the Lonely. Home Alone 2 does not belong on this list. Home Alone 2 is a triple. <laughs> and even, I do like the second Harry Potter, but it's just, it's such a remake of the first movie. If it, they, but the first Home Alone, the first Harry Potter works so well that you should be allowed to copy it once. All right. Again. Well, that's essentially what he did. So. Yeah. So there's those. All right. Mrs. Only the lonely. I'll Mrs. give you. Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm not a Doubtfire fan. Adventures in Babysitting. That's him. I forgot. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else? Do you do? Nine months. Really? <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. Um, I don't know. Well, now I'm trying to pad it because I threw out the baton that it was going to be two two hands. I don't know why. Two hands. Two hands. For Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> I built America with these two hands, <laughs> with pixels, and I love you, but Cooper. Oh, God, he made pixels, too. Yeah. He made the Christmas Chronicles 2. 2, but not 1. Who did he 1? He didn't make the good one. I don't know. All right. He quit uh, Christmas Vacation. He was supposed to direct Christmas Vacation, but he quit it because he couldn't stand fucking Chevy Chase. Yeah, but I, I heard like he was Spielberg's protege at the time, and he was just like, this is going to kill me. And Spielberg was just like, let's slot you into Home Alone. Good call. Spielberg seems like just the nicest guy. He sure does. Yeah. I once called him King of the Jews, and I, I'm very proud of that. <laughs> And I can say that I'm Jewish. If you're listening for the first time, I'm Jewish. So oh, it's yeah. okay for me to say this. Right, right. Yeah. But, like, he is my king. It... <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a really good book, the name of which I can't remember right now, <laughs> about the making of DreamWorks. Have we talked about this before? I don't think so. I have it in the other room. It's, like, The Men Who Would Be King or something like that. I think it's called The Men Who Would Be King. Okay. It's about the founding and sort of the fall of DreamWorks. Okay. And it talks a little bit about Spielberg as nice guy. Yeah. And some of that is, like, because he refuses to ever be the bad guy. Oh, all right. I see. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, watching him direct musical numbers in West Side Story just made me want to watch the opening of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom again, mm-hmm. which then made me want to watch all of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which yeah. I've come to terms with the fact is my favorite Indiana Jones movie. Wow. Right? And you were giving me shit about Two Hands of Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's my favorite one. That's um, that's cool. I don't agree, but like... No, I know. We don't need to agree. Most people don't. We agree so often that when we don't agree, it's kind of (laughs) nice. Movies we don't agree on, Temple of Doom, and Nine Months. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) I could watch that movie January through September. (laughs) Nine Months, which I think is a bad movie, uh, (laughs) got ruined for me, and I don't remember who talked about this. I feel like it was a stand-up comic, or maybe it was a critic. I don't know. Somebody pointed out that... Hugh Grant, like, spends the entire movie refusing to believe the reality that Julianne Moore is pregnant until he sees the baby on a TV screen. 
And then it sets in that like this is real. And they were talking about like what a what a cringeworthy indictment of uh, our culture that moment is. So what is the problem? No, nothing. TV is our king, not Spielberg. Bicentennial Man. I haven't seen it. I'm lying. That can't be number nine. <laughs> there is no eight, nine, or ten. Once you get to six, you're technically on two hands. Yeah. I mean, because, like, yeah, you got... I don't know if I would make it to a second hand, is what I'm saying. And you made it to a second hand. Yep. Yeah, well, he produced and wrote Cranks. Right. Which... <laughs> Was also putting of, in the good column. It's also one of my favorite John Grisham adaptations. <laughs> we'll talk about <laughs> the best Grisham adaptations. Oh, I thought you were going to say this was the best adaptation, which no. I was going to debate you on. But, like, that's fine. <laughs> not. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a couple that I will talk about uh, since we're at over a half an hour already. <laughs> Um, I watched uh, Adrian on HBO Max, the documentary about Adrian Shelley. It sounds sad. It is. It's actually way sadder than I expected because I thought it was going to be like, here's Adrian Shelley's life. And Mm -hmm. she was born here and then she made these movies and then she was a star and then she was like queen of the indies and then she was making Waitress and then this tragedy happened. But the whole movie is is narrated and directed by her husband mm-hmm. and it's all framed around her murder. So it starts with my wife was murdered and I I'm I it was awful and it it affects every moment that she's on camera, every moment that everybody is talking about her, it's all in light of the tragedy. Yeah. Her daughter's in it a lot. Why do you think her husband wanted to tell the story this way? Do you part think it was, was like part to of remember like a her car- and catharsis? Part thing? of it is for sure a catharsis because okay. spoilers. At one point, he goes and sees the man who killed her on yeah, camera. I, yeah, I can't watch this. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. Um, he has some things that he wants to say to that man, mm-hmm. and it's a really interesting portrait of grief and certainly an appreciation of her amazing talent. Sure. Uh, yeah. I thought it was a really good movie, but it's a hard one to recommend. Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else did I see? Oh, we watched Bruised. Oh, the Halle Berry Netflix boxing yep. movie? Okay. Don't watch it. All right. It's not even bad. Like, okay. It's a totally fine movie about a down-and-out MMA fighter who sort of gets her mojo back and... Uh, gets back in the ring and has a fight. It's a rocky story. It's been done a million times. Mm-hmm. It's over two hours, which is a problem. Yep. Um, Halle Berry directs it well. Like, you would never know that this was her first movie. There's nothing particularly remarkable about her direction, but at the same time, like, there's nothing amateurish about her direction. She's not too showy. Mm-hmm. She's maybe a little indulgent, which is why the runtime is a little long. Okay. And it's kind of wallowing in misery. It's that sort of Kurt Sutter, like everybody's like scummy. South, Southpaw. I never saw Southpaw, but I know that's Kurt Sutter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, everybody's kind of scummy mm-hmm. and uh, unpleasant and miserable. Yeah. Um, 
So I don't really recommend it, but it's not even bad, you know, and she does a fine job recommending it. It's been really interesting to see all these movies directed by these successful actors Mm -hmm. at the end of the year here, whether it's Rebecca Hall or Maggie Gyllenhaal or Halle Berry or there's another one that I'm forgetting, son of a bitch. I don't remember, but it doesn't matter Um, that they're all directing their first movies Mm -hmm. and doing a really good job. I will watch it on Columbus Day next November because <laughs> I will have time since uh, there's only seven worth watching. <laughs> uh, we saw The Card Counter. Okay. What did you think of that? I liked it. Mm-hmm. Didn't love it. Yeah. Um, I thought Oscar Isaac was really good. He's crazy good in that Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Um, he's kind of always good. I didn't think Tiffany Haddish was bad. It's such a, like... It's, it's, I'm trying to put this in like a nice way. Oh boy. <laughs> it's like the movie, it's like a part that like an Ellen Barkin in the 80s could do in her sleep. Okay. But it's like Paul Schrader was like, well, let's cast somebody who I'm not sure can do this. Okay. And then they put Tiffany Haddish in it and it's like she can do it. But it's like, wouldn't you have just wanted to get somebody who was kind of a sure thing for this part? Yes and no. I'm I'm kind of more interested in watching Tiffany Haddish do it just mm-hmm. be, for that reason because yeah. it's like, ooh, can she it's like watching Billie Eilish host Saturday Night Live the whole time you're on the edge of your seat. Can she pull this off? I don't know. Is yeah. this working? I think this is working. I think she's she's somebody who I didn't expect in this part and she's doing an okay job of it. I don't, she's not great. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't make the movie any worse, I don't think. Yeah. Uh Ty Sheeran doesn't somehow doesn't make the movie worse. Uh so <laughs> Tiffany Haddish certainly isn't going to. Yeah. Um I didn't like the last act. Yeah, I I my superlative for it for this year was like good movie bad ending because okay. I think like it kind of ends in a way that like you know, you have like two or three options of how this uh, this type of movie could end and it chooses one of them. Yeah. But I think like the way that it's shot or depicted it's just kind of like okay. Yeah, and then it just kind of ends, and it's bit. something that I found much more involving leading up to the last act. Mm-hmm. So it's it kind of disappointing to see it sort of do you kind of sputter out. Do you gamble, or have you ever gambled? No, I'm not a gambling fan, and I'm so bad at it that like it just seems foolish to even do it. So I'm not a gambler either. Yeah. Um, and I generally don't like movies about gambling because mm-hmm. they make me so nervous. I don't like movies about like people who are out of control. I don't like addiction movies. We talked about this yeah. before. You do. Yep. Uh, most gambling movies, you have to sit through that moment where they lose everything and mm-hmm. it's just a nightmare. Uh, even Uncut Gems, I mean, had me so <laughs> like anxious <laughs> and miserable. Um, I don't understand why Counting Cards is against the rules like why is it if if somebody learns how to do it yeah why is that cheating <laughs> i don't know that's i i yeah i mean i would smarter be people than me can would... surely explain it to me and you feel free to do so also feel free not to i don't care i'm mm-hmm. not gonna play any of these games yeah yeah i don't know i mean i'm I guess I'll just watch Runner Runner a couple more times and Please then I'll get do. back to you. It's I also need to see the accountant. Max. Oh no, you don't. Oh, I do though. The accountant Netflix. is not good. 
I know it's not, but I got to see Affleck I'll play tell you somebody what. on the I'll, spectrum. I'll tell you what. If yeah. you don't watch The Accountant, <laughs> All right. I won't rewatch Nine Months. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to rewatch Nine Months because I want you to be like, hmm, maybe it's not that maybe good. Maybe that should be a Friday Night Double feature. <laughs> Problematic Men as the theme. <laughs> and it's like The Accountant in Nine Months. <laughs> And it sells out. <laughs> On 35? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. We had trouble snagging a print of nine months, so we had to get the blown up 70. See Hugh Grant's baby on a TV on 70 millimeter. I remember when nine months was coming out, I was just like, this movie's going to rake at the box office. And then it like did fine. It made like 50 or 60 or 70 million or something. And then it went from like first run to like the dollar theater in two months. And I remember seeing the paper the day that it made the dollar theater. And I was just like, 49 days, huh? Thought it would have been leggier. Like that's and I was like thirteen. Yeah. And it's like I had nobody to tell this to. And no. now as an adult I do. Yeah, it's you have just, a whole podcast to one tell of the it values to. of our friendship. <laughs> the the two movies that I was positive were gonna be the biggest two movies ever made were Last Action Hero, which I've talked about yeah. when because I was like yeah. All right, Jurassic Park. <laughs> you got two weeks. One week. <laughs> was it one yeah, week? It was one week. You got seven days, dinosaurs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because then Arnold's coming. Uh, and that did not happen. And Hook. I was sure because Hook was packaged in such a way where I was just like, Julia Roberts coming off Pretty Woman and Steven Spielberg directing and Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman as Captain Hook. That's mm-hmm. genius. I thought the concept was so interesting. I was positive that movie was going to be yeah. the biggest movie of all time. Did I ever tell you about the first time I saw Hook? No. It was Christmas Day, 1991. Okay. It was like two weeks after it came out. It yeah, was I playing... feel like it just celebrated an anniversary, right? Yeah, yesterday. It was the same oh. date as uh, Star Trek Insurrection. No, I'd rather watch Star Trek Inter- Insurrection. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's like a tie. <laughs> I kind of, I like Hook more than you do. Yeah, most um, people do. But I didn't like it as a kid, but oddly enough, I like it as an adult. Oh. Because I think like the Peter Banning thing is kind of interesting. But I It don't is know. kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, in but, what, but when you're going and watching like Hook as a kid, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't like these Lost Boys. They look like they would beat me up and I don't – they're mean. <laughs> they're, they would be mean to me. Um, so uh, the first time I saw Hook – and if you're if you're in, not into gross out humor, maybe skip ahead for like a minute. Oh, um, so the first time I saw Hook, went to Lou Malnati's Nottie's for dinner. Um, went to the Catlow Theater in Barrington, Illinois. Oh, you have to told see. me this story, yeah. but go ahead. Yeah, so I'm sitting there watching it. I think I maybe got food poisoning from from Lou Malnati's. I just was not feeling well. We were sitting in like the front row or like the second row at the Catlow, so we were like, so Hook's ugly patina is right up <laughs> in my fucking face. It is an ugly movie. It is an ugly movie. And I was just like, I don't feel good. And then, like, I got up and I just started, like, projectile vomiting, like, all over, like, the aisle. And then, like, my dad's just like, go, go, go. It's like we were, like, on the beaches of Normandy where we're just, like, (laughs) running up to, like, get to, like, safety. So, like, I run, like, there's puke, like, all over the place, like, in the auditorium. Um, I get to the bathroom, puked all over the bathroom. <laughs> and Jesus. then it was at the point where it was just, like, my dad's, like, we can't go back in the theater. Like, you can't. We, yeah, right. So, like, right. we went outside, and I'm, like, puking outside oh of, like, gosh. the cat low. And then on the drive home, I'm, like, puking all over the place. And it's just, like... Yeah, and then I remember I wanted to go back to see Hook again, and I'm just like, 
can I have a second chance? And my dad's <laughs> just like, maybe you should wait till video. <laughs> uh, two things. One, the catalog is also where I saw Hook. Yeah. So both of us were part of the problem mm-hmm. because we didn't see it first run. <laughs> uh, and two, that's the most accurate review of Hook I've ever heard. <laughs> Great teaser poster. <laughs> uh, what was just the hook? Just the hook. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it, seeing it at Stratford Square, like mm-hmm. when I started going there for our divorce movies. Yeah. Um, that's it for me. I've got other stuff I can talk about, but we're almost 45 minutes in and we should probably get into our double features because we still have four movies to talk about. It sounds good. What double feature do you want to do first, brother? Um, let's do Flutter Ready. All right. <laughs> so what is Flutter Ready? Two movies by the great Gary Flutter. Yeah. So one of the things that's amazing about Friday Night Double Features, the column that we write, and I feel weird just saying that it's amazing, (laughs) but one of the things that's amazing about it is you can sort of backpedal into like an Amber Valletta double feature (laughs) (laughs) or like a Gary Flutter double bill, which would never happen at like even the classiest, savviest, hippest rep joints ever. No. But at our imaginary theater, as long as we can secure imaginary 35 millimeter prints, I we don't think will, we'll have a problem. We will run yeah. a double bill of Don't Say a Word and Runaway Jury, <laughs> which was a theme that you put together. Yeah. I selected. So, to those of you who don't know, Friday Night Double Features works where, in this circumstance, I'll pick the first movie. And then Patrick, based off of whatever I pick, has to not only book a second movie but pick a theme where both movies fit into that theme and then bill uh, and then uh, put together a trailer block um, to put, which is something that we should talk about the trailer okay. block. Okay. Do you put the trailers before the first movie in between movie one and two split them up? I or? put them in between one and two. Okay. All I right. don't know why, but that's how I watched both of these. Okay. I always watch them before movie one. Okay. And then I use like, I take like a little bit of a break, like a 10 minute break. And then I watch like movie two. Okay. So, but uh, yeah, so I picked Don't Say a Word because I was just like, I just want to see what the fuck he picks for Don't Say a Word because this movie's <laughs> like something that like came out and nobody remembers and everything like that. And then you picked Runaway Jury. The theme was the works of director Gary Flatter. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I'll let you kind of go into the trailers and kind of like what you, how, how you put this together. Yeah, I mean, the trailers were essentially just picking like movies gary fletter has made which i couldn't name except for i I was able to name one off the top of my head which Mm -hmm. was things to do in denver when you're dead which is sort of his calling card but i had to go to imdb i think to look up Homefront, which i still didn't even realize he directed when we were watching the trailers for these the other day yeah uh and kiss the girls yeah and then because you and i are huge fans of sometimes programming stuff that aren't trailers Mm -hmm. in between the two movies or at the start of the movies wherever you end up watching them um and because we're both such huge Tales from the Crypt fans, I was like, oh, I noticed on IMDb he directed Forever Ambergris, yeah. the most disturbing episode of Tales from the Crypt I've ever seen, the one that upsets me the most to this day. Yeah. It, uh, it's like, I think the one, it would be in my top five of most upsetting Tales from the Crypt, yes. but it wouldn't be the what most. What are the other four? I don't know about the other four. I maybe inflated that list, <laughs> kind of similar to what I did with the Columbus two-hander, um, but uh, to, which I would call Two Fists of Columbus. <laughs> um, the, uh, that for sure has to be a Friday Night Double Feature. <laughs> <laughs> the Two Fists of Columbus. I think 
it would be yeah two Columbus movies yeah. and then like just like a boxing match in between like yeah. an exhibition yeah yeah and the um, trailers would be in the fourteen ninety two Conquest of Paradise <laughs> of course yeah Christopher Columbus the Discovery absolutely um the Babe I don't know <laughs> <laughs> just I'm just picking box office bombs from nineteen ninety two at this point um. What was I saying? Uh, the most disturbing tales. Of my oh, character. the most disturbing. There, there's one where it's like I forgot what the actor's name was, but like he goes to like a costume party, and then like he meets up with this girl who's got like a mask on, and like he's like, and then they kind of have like an eyes wide shut sexual encounter, and then like he finds out like the mask is like her face. Oh, and it's like really creepy. Later in the run. I think so. And then there's one where it's like Tim Curry plays like three characters. Yeah, that one That's I a creepy one. That's Death of Some Salesman. Death of Some Salesman. There's another one with um, uh, David Warner where like it ends with like another woman, like a like a like a girl who's like an old lady and she's like wearing like a Pollyanna dress and she's like got like a Jason hockey mask on and it just ends with her like dancing in a circle around him while he's like waiting to die. I don't remember that one. Yeah. They, there's like some images that are just burned in my head. <laughs> That's right. how forever ambergris is for me because it's not the whole thing that upsets me. It's one specific image. It's it burns. It burns. It burns. It burns was terrible. Yeah. It's the eye. Oh yeah. The eye upsets me more than anything that else. Anything else that ever happened on that show. Did you watch it on DVD or like YouTube? DVD. Okay, I watched the YouTube and it was so like poorly. Oh uh, okay. Like uploaded that like. It kind of maybe made it less gross for me, but yeah. <laughs> that moment has stuck with me since the first time I saw that episode. And, yeah. And I was like dreading it coming into watching it for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a well-directed episode and one of the best things Gary Fletter has ever done. I agree. Yeah, it's got a really good like Roger Daltrey performance like as a creep yeah. in it. Um, it's got Steve Buscemi. Lisette Anthony. It's a good one. Yeah. I like it. Um, I forgot that that was Lisette Anthony until I rewatched it. For some reason, I always thought that it was like Twiggy. Look who's talking now's Lisette Anthony. Yeah, she's the home wrecker. Yeah. Should have worked. Cause... Do you know that's Charlie's least favorite movie? Look who's talking now. Yeah. I take some of the blame for that. <laughs> <laughs> the other day we were having a conversation about, you know, he was asking me what's the worst movie you've ever seen. I said, I don't know. And I said, Charlie, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? Yeah. Look who's talking now. That's actually a really good segue to something. Oh, um, right. So when you're I saw the welcome. trailer for Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. Boat drinks. Uh, sorry, buckwheats. 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 Jimmy Saint. Um, you glide. Oh, you're a God, thing to be you. amazed by. Mr. Shush. This is all in the trailer. <laughs> like, if you ever wanted to make a trailer to repel your audience more. Not in 1995 or whenever that fucking movie came out because that shit was like, couldn't get enough of that in 1995. I bought this movie on uh, Laserdisc. <laughs> Things to do in Denver when you're dead is not my least favorite movie. But if you asked me, Adam, name a movie you like less than Things to do in Denver yeah. when you're dead. Yeah. I don't think I would have, I, I think I would have trouble. Uh, I, I mean, really hate it. Really? Like, really. Like, when we did, like, that Tarantino ripoffs idea. Yes. That was, like, a show but didn't become a show. Right. 
So like, you just had to watch a bunch I, of bad movies? I watched like three or four of these Tarantino <laughs> ripoffs, and I did watch Things to Do in Denver when you're dead, and I was just like, I take no enjoyment in any of <laughs> Like, it was hard. It was difficult. Yeah, it would have been kind of a slog, I think, yeah. to try to do that episode. But yeah. yeah, we had that idea to do a show based on Tarantino ripoffs. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I guess the trailer is amusing in the sense that, like, oh, yeah, this was definitely a time when whatever you know like marketing company was putting together trailers was just like anything that's even remotely pulp fiction right reservoir dogs ish we have to right. put in the trailer right. and they have like a specific staccato way of like delivering these things and i remember everything. liking the treat williams performance oh yeah no that didn't work for me okay <laughs> critical bill is that his name if that was bill something crazy bill wasn't it uh, or was it critical bill i don't know now i'll look it up okay but... Um, I was reading a, a summary of it somewhere, and I just tried to find it while we were talking. I couldn't find it. I thought it was IMDb. Yeah. But the summary starts with, Sexy Andy Garcia stars. He is sexy. <laughs> I guess, but I just it's not the first word I think of when I think of Andy Garcia. I remember I saw... Um... Like some Us Weekly, and it was like they were body shaming celebrities, and they were just like, look at Andy Garcia on the beach. And it was just like him like with his shirt off, and it was all hairy and stuff. And I was just like, that just looks like me. <laughs> Fuck those people. And I was partially like, I'm Andy Garcia, yeah, but like middle-aged. Uh, Critical Bill was his name. Okay. Yeah. Um. So have you, you have not seen Homefront. I still haven't seen Homefront. Homefront is good. Yeah. I liked Homefront. Um, I don't know how it would play now because it's James Franco. Right. So that might be an obstacle. Right. Um, but Kate, I remember Kate Bosworth is kind of like a methed out lady in it. Right. And I remember her being so good as methed out lady that I was just like, she should have like a 10-year a run of just Methodist yes. ladies. Um, and Renona Ryder was like in her wilderness period where it was like... Why is she playing James Franco's girlfriend in Homefront? And she's just Isn't like Kate Bosworth, James Franco's girlfriend. No, that's like his sister. Oh, I couldn't make sense of it in the trailer. I, so yeah. I didn't understand how Winona Ryder was connected because I was like, I get that these two are a thing, but yeah. what's she doing? No, I remember. I vaguely remember that Winona Ryder was like his girlfriend, and she's like the type that, like becomes a criminal by accident where she's just like this is a bad idea we should give the girl back <laughs> and james franco's name is like gator or something oh like, boy yeah. critical gator critical gator and then kiss the girls a movie i forgot exists and was a big success was a big success yeah this was definitely like cashing in on like william somerset and right. seven for right. morgan freeman and right. kind of built like a whole like career out of like these parts for about five ten years and i do like kiss the girls i haven't seen it in a long time um i do want to rewatch along came a spider because it came out in 2001 and i only have like 15 days to watch yeah, it before it shit. expires i've seen both of them in the yeah. theater i remember neither one i remember michael wincott is like who you think is the big bad in Along Came a Spider. Because he's Michael Wincott. And then it's like sneaky Billy Burke Monica Potter. And I remember not seeing that coming. Wow, yeah, I don't remember that yeah. at all. Yeah. and uh, Monica Potter is not the female lead. It's Ashley Judd, right? No, she's Kiss, Kiss the, the Girls. Girls. She's Kiss the Girls. Got yeah. it. Monica Potter is like the female lead in Along Came a Spider, yeah? She is, yeah. Okay. You think that she's like right. his partner, and right. then it turns out she was like behind, she's like Clever. the criminal mastermind. Who directed Along Came a Spider? Lee Tamahori? Sure he did. I'm pretty also sure. director of the worst Bond movie. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but uh, the trailer for Kiss the Girls is like the perfect 90s thriller trailer. It's right, like Don right. LaFontaine being like, <laughs> Alex Cross. And it's just like, one, please. And, <laughs> um, and then you got like Tony Goldwyn's voice. I remember yeah. being so like, I, I, that's another movie where <laughs> I'm just like, why are they building this up as a mystery? It's clearly Tony Goldwyn. Like, I know what his voice sounds like, but then it was like sneaky Carrie Elway's bad right. guy. I remember Carrie uh, was, <clears throat> excuse me, Carrie Elway's being in it, but yeah. not that he was the bad guy. <laughs> I love when Carrie Elway's takes on like an American accent because oh, he's boy. just like, I'm an American. <laughs> and it's just like, he turns into Al Pacino. Yeah, he's just like crazy. I don't know. Um, but yeah, one thing I liked from seeing like these trailers. As is, you wish. <laughs> I'm a. <laughs> Smooch all these ladies. <laughs> Smooching the girls. No, it's kiss the girls, though. That's what I said. <laughs> all right. Now do an Italian accent, huh? <laughs> uh, Mamma Mia. <laughs> Here comes Casanova. <laughs> he is awesome in House of Gucci. Yeah, he is. He's really fun. Yes. Everybody's really fun in House of yes. Gucci. Yes. I'm a fan of that movie. Me too. Um, one thing that's kind of cool from watching the trailers and then watching both of the movies on the Gary Flutter ready double feature is you see that he, he's got a couple guys like he's got yeah, like, yeah. like Bill Nunn is in kiss the girls yeah. and things to do in Denver when you're dead and runaway jury yeah. and like guy Tory, he like cashed all his chips in on guy, guy, Tory. guy Tory to show up. <laughs> And I watched, you know, Don't Say a Word first, yeah. and I uh, was like, oh, right, okay, Guy Tory, he was a thing, I remember. He was in Pearl Harbor that year, too. Was he? Wow, he had a big yeah. 2001. Yeah. Uh, and then for him to show up again in Runaway Jury, I was like, well, he's really mm-hmm. making Guy Tory a thing. Yeah, and Joe Tory's just like, I'm right here. <laughs> I am right here. I'm still standing. I'm still here. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, Mr. Shush himself, Steve Buscemi. He was in yeah. Forever Ambergris yeah. and things to do in Denver when you're yeah. dead and yeah. everything. So, I mean, like, Flutter must be, like, a mensch director. Just a guy must that, be. like... And one thing that came more so, like, apparent when I was watching the second movie on the double bill is just, yeah, he's just such a down-the-middle, competent, workman-like, <sighs> get-the-job-done type director. Maybe I'm more a fan of his than you are. You might be. Okay. Um... I think competent is and he's done I was trying to look at what he had done most recently, but it's all TV. I think it's Homefront was his last yeah, movie. Yeah, it sure was. Because then, yeah, because other than the stuff that we highlighted we in the all trailers, of his theatrical we didn't do we did do Imposter or The Express, but I think we covered everything Holy else. Holy cow! Yeah. Oh, he did Seance too. I could have picked Seance and avoided Steve Buscemi's eyeball popping out. I'll go back and watch Seance. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> damn it! Shit! <laughs> Fuck! Mirrors! Yeah, I watch Runaway Jury, and I'm like, yeah, he's pretty much a competent director. He's got a good script that he's working with, and good maybe is in air quotes, but mm. I really enjoy Runaway Jury, and he has an insane cast, and yeah. I, some credit goes to him for casting. Even the small parts with, like, amazing character actors that you're yeah. so happy to see show up in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe the meatiest Marguerite Monroe performance. <laughs> Since when on American Summer? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I, I remember, like, I saw her. She's, like, the 31st build, and I'm just like, this yeah. is a big part for her. This is kind of nice. She was in a good movie. She had a lead in a movie that I want to say was called Easy. Okay. 
I like her. Yeah, it's worth tracking down. She's good in it. Yeah. Um, she's one of my be, favorite Mighty Ducks. It was a, She was a Mighty Duck? She was a Mighty Duck. I've seen Mighty Ducks like once. Yeah. I didn't grow up with it because yeah. I'm a little too old. That's okay. Um, Stephen Herrick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sneaky good director. He is a sneaky good director. Except for Rockstar, which we don't talk about. No. And maybe Life or Something Like It. So maybe I take back everything I said. <laughs> but he did do Bill and Ted, and he did do Critters. Save it for the next FNDF. <laughs> <laughs> he did uh, uh, Bill and Ted. That's what I said, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I missed that. That's okay. Um, yeah. But man, Don't Say a Word is a big <laughs> shit pile. Like... I didn't think so for the first thirty minutes, and then I and then I think it falls apart. <sighs> I think before Brittany Murphy so, shows up, and yeah. it just is kind of ransom. Like okay. I think it's okay, and I think there's some interesting quirks. Like, so Michael Douglas, his daughter, and him have this game of like hide and seek that keeps on Better title, but I <laughs> saved for a much worse movie somehow. <laughs> Somehow it's much worse than Don't Say a Word is Hide and Seek. Which turns out is a movie that exists. It Don't is. Say a Word. Oh, I was sure able does. to play it from start to finish. Yeah, I yeah. expected the disc to be half blank. I like sometimes when I rent stuff on Amazon, it'll say something like, you rented this. And I'm just like, <laughs> or it says like, you purchased this. And I just love how like kind of like judgy it, it is. sounds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it's like you press play on Don't Say a Word. It's like, you're only going to have this for 48 <laughs> hours. You know that, right? Once you press play, are you sure? Are you positive you're ready to you commit? You really want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you rented this. <laughs> Anyways. So Don't Say a Word. Um, so it takes place over Thanksgiving. So it's a holiday movie. It is a holiday movie. A Thanksgiving movie that no one talks about. Thanksgiving movie no one talks about. I think it's. Such bad form of Sean Bean and the collective bad guys that they didn't wait till Cyber Monday to pull this bullshit. Because, <laughs> like, why on Thanksgiving? Yeah. Like, it seems pretty, like... It's wrong. It's just as mean. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, like, he's the psychologist. So, Michael Douglas is the psychologist, and, like, he um, is supposed to be on his way home for Thanksgiving dinner and stuff. And then, like, his daughter goes, oh... You know, our thing is, like, I play hide-and-seek with my dad, so I'm going to hide. But then he calls and says, like, or no, he does he call Farmka Jansen and say, like, oh, I got to go to this appointment yeah, now? Yeah, So, like, she's still, so she does, so the daughter doesn't know when he's coming home. So how long has she been hiding for? Like, just she's hours? She's committed to the game. Anyways. And then, like, there's definitely, like, you know, that perv energy that Douglas hasn't shed yet. No, there he's isn't. Just, like, he's just like, I gotta give Famco sponge back. Oh, there is that yeah. scene. Yeah. He's... But I was missing the perv energy, and this was part of my problem with Don't Say a Word. Yeah. I was like, better movie? He's trying to fuck Brittany Murphy. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> yeah. Like, repellent in every way. Yeah. Yeah. Immoral. Unethical. Probably illegal. Yeah. Better well, movie because he's Michael Douglas and like he's always a fucking skeeve. A better movie would be um, that he broke Famke Jansen's leg. Yes. Just to give her like misery sponge baths. <laughs> and that's why she can't say a word. <laughs> she. Oh God. This movie totally bone collectors her. And <laughs> she. You know, she's another one of these actors. We just talked about Monica Potter yeah. in Along Came a Spider. Famke Jansen is another one. Mm. Just, like, never really got the shot. I mean, Famke got more shots yeah. than Monica Potter because she was mm-hmm. in the X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. She was in a Bond movie. Like, 
Yeah. And she's the best, maybe not the best thing about that Bond movie, but she's certainly one of the highlights of that Bond movie. Do you think she broke her leg by squeezing a guy? I assume so, with her <laughs> thighs. Um, she's like, it's part and parcel of my trade. <laughs> this is what I do, yeah. everybody. <laughs> I want to see a scene where she squeezes Michael Douglas to death with her thighs, and he's into it. Yeah, oh, sure. <laughs> this is how I want to go. Yeah. He turned into Kiefer Sutherland somehow. I don't know how. <laughs> because of the Sentinel. Because <laughs> the entire time you were thinking of the Sentinel. I'm almost always thinking of the Sentinel, a movie I have not seen. It's not good. No, I kind of expected no. as much. It'll show up on a Friday Night Double feature at some point. Michael Douglas needs to be cast in the right part to be interesting. And he's miscast and don't say a word. Like, he's fine. They do kind of make him, like, milk toast, yes. edgeless. And that is not yeah. why you cast Michael Douglas. Yeah. He's not, like, a one-size-fits-all movie star. He's the flawed American male. Mm -hmm. Oliver Platt's in it, which helps a little bit. Yes. I would agree um, with that. I like that... Uh... Whatchamacallit. I, I think Brittany Murphy's pretty good in an impossibly written role. Yes. Because, and one thing that I misremembered is for some reason I thought, like, her saying, like, I'll never tell was, like, like it, it was, like, the somebody stop me of, like, 2001, <laughs> but it wasn't. It's just, like, she says it once, but, like, I remember it being, like, this big thing. It was like, in all the marketing. It was in all the marketing. And, and it's like, the this reason was, anyone went to see the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it, okay, it okay. Truly so, was so I'm not misremembering no. this. It was like a thing. If, okay. Yes, yeah. people would like quote that from the trailer. Yeah. And if anybody went to see the movie, it's because of Brittany Murphy's sing talking, I'll never tell any yeah. of you. So I don't know. I mean, like, the movie is alive, I guess, whenever. She, I, that's a bad choice of words. I apologize. Um, but, like, the movie is lively when she's on yes. screen because she's interesting. And, like, even when she's playing a poorly written character, she's basically, like, doing. What a year later, um, Samantha Morton would do in Minority Report, where it like turns into like where she's it's, a precog. <laughs> she basically is where like you know where it's just like you got like the leading man cuck to like drag you around, and then it's just like you are just like hey, did it happen? <laughs> like she's like spazzing out, and then he's just like he's just like keep it together, keep it together, right? Yeah. Um. We talked about this a little bit in the snack line at Licorice Pizza, but yeah. I... It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a short story all yeah, to it itself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a... Uh, I, I didn't fully appreciate Brittany Murphy no. when she was alive. Like, yeah. I really liked her in Clueless. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of gave up on her. And partly because she started making safer choices as she became more of a leading lady she yeah. started doing like up little girls. black book and uptown girls yeah. and just married and i right? haven't seen all of those like i kind of want to go watch to see if there was something to those movies a little bit more well they i've never seen uptown girls i've seen just married okay. i saw little black we saw little black book on our honeymoon i believe okay uh because we were right at the universal boardwalk where there was like an amc so we just kept going back to the movies mm -hmm. um i don't remember it being good but they sanded off everything that was interesting about her because she's another one of these actors that i think was just truly a character actor who yeah. happened to be beautiful and so they started sticking her in leading roles and so i gave up on her but i remember watching um earlier this year i watched 
Drive, not the Ryan Gosling the one, the Kadeem Hardison, Mark okay. Dacascos one, and yeah. she has a supporting role in that. Okay. And she fucking steals the movie. I need to watch that. It's a really fun movie, yeah. and she's the best thing about it. Like, I uh, She has like three scenes, and okay. they're the best stuff in the movie. I just rented um, Sidewalks of New York to rewatch it. Love she's her in, in that. that. Yeah. And I'm... he. So Edward Burns has... I'm so glad that we had him as backup Woody Allen for such a long time because now <laughs> right. I don't have to lose right. that type of movie. I can just watch right. Edward Byrne stuff. Well, and he's getting called up to the majors now. It's like, yeah. listen, our guy's been disgraced. Eddie, you're up. It's like how Chris Hemsworth came along to ease the blow of losing Heath Ledger. Like, <laughs> sometimes we get these backups and it's kind of nice. Um, Liam Hemsworth, by the way, shows up in a one-line cameo at the beginning of Knowing. Oh, does he? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's kind of a tease for the holiday episode, it is. if it will. It it's, is. It's all-knowing, <laughs> our all-knowing Christmas show. Because it's Santa. Santa knows. Santa knows what's up. Santa, yeah. As does the movie Knowing. Um, One thing that I found just fucking crazy about Don't Say a Word <laughs> is that, like, all this bullshit, this two hours of Michigas, <laughs> is about, like, one little gemstone. <laughs> it's like you couldn't have found something like more exciting yeah. to be going after. Yeah. They're like grave robbing to get like a ruby. It's right. like, what is this? <laughs> and then also there's like this kind of fake out in the climax where it's like this is the grave site you have to go to. And then they go and then they dig up the wrong body and then they come back and they're all mad and they're just like, what's going on? And then. Michael Douglas is just like, she sees things like in mirrors. It's I like mean, a mirror. What? And then they have to go back and do the Damn same it. thing again. <laughs> it's so stupid. And then the heart, there's like a whole like completely pointless subplot with Jennifer Esposito that they could have gotten rid of completely and saved like 15 minutes. <sighs> but she's so New York. Ugh. She's a New York cop. The only movie that's ever used her well is uh, Summer of Sam. Yeah, I like her in Summer of Sam. I like her and stuff. It's nothing against her, but she just it's got just, typecast very yeah. early on. Yeah. I told you this in Licorice Pizza Candy line. Um, <laughs> we talked a lot, you guys. We did. It was a long line. Um, <laughs> that Don't Say a Word is like if Netflix made movies in 2001. 100%. That's what this movie is. That's bruised. I mean, it's like mm -hmm. this movie is, I guess, inoffensive and has stars. Yeah. But there is just nothing about this for me to remember. This is content and nothing more. And he relies, right. Gary Flair relies way too heavily on post-production slow-mo. Oh, God. I that agree. kind of stuttery. He does it a few times in Runaway Jury, too, and it pisses me off because it uh, it fucks up what is otherwise a perfect film. <laughs> there are so. certain shot. There are certain beats and moments in, like, filmmaking, <clears throat> editing, cinematography. Cinematography <laughs> choices in cinematography. Uh, flim. I'm a flim expert. Um, so <laughs> I got to mention something about film for a second. Okay. And then I'll talk about that, We're talking thing. about film on this podcast. Okay. So I remember one I time. Film. I remember one time. And this just kind of shows what, a, what an asshole I could be sometimes. <laughs> I was uh, dating somebody and we were watching the Oscars. And it was like me, her, and then my dad was there. And we were watching. the. It was the year that um, Chicago won Best Picture. And like the two towers didn't win Best Picture. Mm. So my girlfriend really liked that. Uh, this is not the girl from the Antitrust Show. It is. Same girl? Or no, it's not. It's not an antitrust girl. Okay. It's Sabrina, the teenage witch girl. Got it. Okay, so she really loved the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So I remember, like, 
she had never said the word film in front of me in like a year and a half of dating. And then I remember she's just like, I don't understand why Chicago won. Two Towers is a superior film. <laughs> and she just said that like in the wild. It wasn't like in writing. Right. She like just says it in the wild. And my dad and I looked at each other and we were like, what? We're like who talks like that? And it's just like, I love movies, but I'm just like, I'm not going to say film out loud. You nuts. That's why we only talk about film on this podcast. Yeah. Um, so don't say a word. The the cinematographer reminds me of like those uh, commercials that they have on DVDs where it's like you wouldn't steal. hundred percent. Like that's it's what it that, looks it's like. It's that to feature length. It's crazy. It's nuts because it yeah. has that blue tint to it. Boom! 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 Yes. Boom! 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 boom. Yeah. I don't like it. No, then that's what this whole movie looks like. I it's weird because I'm happy I revisited. Don't say a word, but I think it sucks balls. It it's does terrible. Casting Sean Bean as your villain is like the least interesting thing you can do. Thank God he had Boromir in his back pocket like three right. months later after right. this. Because uh, yeah, yeah, this movie like it's such it's so easy to like just yeah cast Sean Bean as head bad guy and right. like all they have him do is like rent the upstairs like break into the upstairs apartment and like taunt people over the phone yeah it's stupid make famka jansen the cop put jennifer esposito in the bed yeah recast michael douglas allow him to give somebody a sponge bath yes like the opening credits should be just him giving a sponge bath to somebody and then it's like you know it's like tim matheson is dr robert conrad and then you're <laughs> right. just like why was michael douglas in this <laughs> it's like because this is an r movie a... right an r yeah yeah my memory is that it was a pg-13 no but it's an r because of the language uh because they dropped some f-bombs and stuff but yeah. like you're gonna give me an r-rated michael douglas movie and you're never once gonna have him fuck mm-hmm. yeah it's against the law it's it, it is yeah i mean like especially in our chest filmmaking culture right now yes where we cancel ben affleck and anna de armas that's insane thrillers like even like directed the by prud- adrian fucking line prudes at disney should want to jerk off to that like i don't understand like i like everybody wants to watch a good mo- erotic thriller right except like even like what's going on this is why we need hollywood pictures back because that's the shit they did yeah they were like we'll put out your erotic thriller consenting adults I got a question for you. Let's have it. Okay. So do you think, all right, so like, you know, West Side Story makes $10 million and it's like now, like, are we not even going to like support Steven Spielberg movies in theaters? Like, right. so it's like the movie for grown up is like completely an endangered species. Yes. If they released erotic thrillers and like, it was like, that's how we'll get them back, like trashy stuff. Yeah. Like, do you think that could work? Like, as no. theatrical releases. Not no. really. Not at this point. Okay. Not with COVID and everything. Yeah. I think no COVID world, maybe. Yeah. But I also think West Side Story would have done better in a no COVID world. I agree with that. Yeah. That movie would have made like $227 million in 2001. Probably. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Douglas. Like, if COVID ruined anything, it's Michael Douglas's sex drive film. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then, yeah, Runaway Jury, much yeah. better movie. Much better movie. Again, better material, even though the material is patently ridiculous. like Super ridiculous. But it's an interesting hook. 
I've never seen a legal thriller about tampered jury pools before. Right. Well, Grisham refuses to repeat himself. <laughs> never. So he'll yeah. talk about the lawyers, but then sometimes he'll talk about the juries, mm-hmm. and every once in a while he'll talk about the judge. And sometimes cranks. But not, what's his name, Robert Duvall as the judge. No. He didn't do the judge. No, exactly. Yeah. Wrong judge. Wrong mm-hmm. writer. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't that was Robert Duvall shit his pants in that movie? I think I think he like I think his Oscar clip was like him getting his cleaned up by Robert. That was Tony David Jr. Dobkin of Clay Pigeons. I'm fame? pretty sure it was mm. David Dobkin. I wanted to love Clay Pigeons because Janine Garofalo was in it, and I I thought yeah didn't. yeah I wanted because I, I was on board with Dark Vaughn back sure. then yeah like because I liked Return to Paradise and I remember oh, I seeing the that. trailer to Clay Pigeons and being like that's another movie I drove where somebody's Evanston. last name is Easter. Just like Nicholas Easter, Nicholas and Easter, that, which they say a lot in this movie. So Sometimes he's got some Mr. great Easter. names. Great names: Rankin <laughs> Fitch, Wendell That's Rohr. All Grisham, baby. Wendell Rohr. <laughs> Gene Hackman, by the way, all over the place in O2. Three Grisham movies: The Firm, The Chamber, The Chamber, yeah, and this one, baby. Who directed The Chamber? Because I always thought that was Flutter, but it it's wasn't not Flutter. Flutter. That's Chris O'Donnell, right? When we're yeah. like, we swear he's a thing. Yeah. Uh, that was 96. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a James Foley. Chicago's okay. own James Foley. He's made some good movies. But At not The range. Chamber. Yeah. Not The Chamber. I remember you like... a James Foley movie I really like, speaking hmm. of Eddie Burns, is Confidence. I haven't seen Confidence. It's good. It's got I Justin think that's Hoffman. an 02 or an 03, so I'll Rachel get to Weiss. it. Rachel Okay. I like it. I uh, I remember Chris O'Donnell's character's name in the chamber was Adam, and seeing that in the trailer and being like, "Well, I guess I gotta see it." <laughs> gotta it's Adam other, Hall. I guess I gotta support another Adam. Yeah. Um, Bo Jackson was in the chamber. Yeah, yeah. He played a prison guard, and I remember Gene Siskel being like a surprisingly good supporting character. <laughs> Bo Jackson. <laughs> that was one thing I always liked about Siskel was like he was always so pro athlete on film. He was just like Michael Jordan's pretty. Good in Space Jam. Stone Cold, surprisingly <laughs> decent action movie yeah. starring the Boz. Yeah. Um But yeah, I uh yeah, Hackman was all over the place in the early part of the two thousands. Yeah. Like cause when I rewatched some stuff like like Heist, he's in that, and yeah. I plan to watch Heartbreaker soon, and he was in Behind Enemy Lines and Oof. Welcome to Mooseport. And- so this was his last year. Uh, 03 and then 04, like beginning of 04 oh, okay. was Booseport. Booseport was, was 04. That's when okay. he dropped the mic. Got it. I yeah. thought you were saying all these were in 2001. Royal so. Tenenbaums was 01. Right. So, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He yeah. was all over the place. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pure liberal fantasy. Yeah. I mean, suing the gun lobby and spoilers, not, they're not even suing the gun lobby. They're suing gun manufacturers, right? Yeah. Um, and spoilers, they win a case for hundreds of millions of dollars. It sets precedent that, <laughs> right, like, exactly. we're finally going to hold gun companies liable for their Which, products. to this movie's credit, I mean, it came out in 2003, like, and it's talking mm-hmm. about this stuff, and uh, nothing has changed. It's, it's only, only gotten, gotten worse, worse right, James? The, uh, <laughs> this was, and the, the book I read was about the tobacco industry, and they just changed it for the oh, sake no of kidding. the movie I didn't because, know that. because of the insider. Because they're just like, oh. the insider already did this four years ago, so Interesting. like, we will like, purposely ch- change this to the gun 
lobby or like wow. the gun manufacturers and stuff like that. And I, I mean, like the the opening of this movie, like I forgot. It's upsetting. It's very upsetting. Yeah, because like for what is otherwise a very like turn your brain off entertainment. Yeah, it's just like yeah, let's just kind of have fun with the legal thriller right. thing, and then it opens with this thing where like it's so well put together. It's such a well. You know, I don't want to say executed sequence <laughs> that the whole time I'm just like remembering, you know, like when you go through this training at work where it's like, you know, you try to get out the exit, Ugh. you try to barricade yourself, you throw things to distract. And it's just like, that's all I, I'm like going through this in my head because we're so like preconditioned. We're to all, think we all way. have like PTSD yeah, for things so. that haven't yet happened to us. Yeah. So it's like, um, yeah, I mean, that scene is just heartbreaking. Yeah. And luckily the movie immediately gets silly <laughs> right. to take you to, to, to ease your, your agita. But, um, but they're just like that Nicholas Easter. He's a pl- people pleaser. <laughs> he works at Funko Land. <laughs> a really well cast Cusack because yeah. again, it requires him to be smart, kind of a smart ass, snaky but charming. Right? Yeah. Funny enough, like he seems like the guy who would win over a jury room. Yeah. Like he would be the guy who you're. The, yeah, just kind of like the Lloyd Dobler. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, you could just imagine a different actor in this part, and we just wouldn't buy any of it. Now that's mm-hmm. because you and I like John Cusack. For people who have a John Cusack allergy, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're like, "What the fuck are these people responding to?" But, yeah, uh, I like pretty much everybody in this movie. I do too. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, he's kind of a creep, but like the whole, I, I think Hoffman's really good in it, and like that scene in the bathroom between him and Hackman is like, yeah. What you're waiting for the whole movie and diner it, scene it, and heat and baby. It's a great, yeah, I mean, like as a like a the diner scene double bill, like <laughs> right. as the second movie of the diner scene double feature, like it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And like I love the kind of fuck you line that Hackman has at the end. It's so depressing, but yes. like it's so great that a character is just like it's like no people like us exist. Like right. we just right. do not give a shit. Like you you might throw your quote-unquote moralistic liberal bullshit at me but like do you not understand that like i don't care right (laughs) and it's great because when you see his comeuppance at the end of the movie it just makes it that much more sweet and i do like that they make the point at the end of the movie that cusack says like we didn't steal the jury we didn't swing the jury yeah we just stopped you from stealing them yeah which i think is a good distinction to make Mm mm-hmm I think, like, you know, he's so populist, but, like, I think it's kind of just awesome that John Grisham, like, was a thing and that we got, like, this whole kind of slew of adaptations of his movies because they're just, like, really fun, like, versions of what could be incredibly dry, like... Well, they're they're Oscar they're, bait. they're movies to watch on a plane the yeah. way that like the books are meant to be bought at the airport and yeah. read on a plane. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. um, I haven't seen all of his. Like, I've never seen the chamber, and I haven't seen the client. The client's pretty good. It's not okay. as it's kind of on the lower half of his adaptations, but I gotta say, I don't love a time to kill. It's got some icky politics yeah. and like race Everybody's sweaty. relations stuff. Yeah, that, even when I was like fourteen, I was just like, "Why do they sweat so much?" I wasn't sold on McConaughey at the time, and I resented being force-fed him. Yeah, um, 
Rainmaker, though. Rainmaker rules. Rainmaker, Runaway Jury, The Firm. Yep. Cranks. Those three. Those no, four. Cranks, really <laughs> not on that list. Not on that list, but like, yeah, those three are pretty... Rainmaker was on my list, my top ten list for 97, and that was yep. a monster fucking year, but that's yep. how good the Rainmaker is. Rainmaker's so great. DeVito in that should have won, like, Best Supporting Actor. So awesome. He's so good. Yeah. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola should have won Best Screenplay over Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> I take it back. Mickey uh, Rourke should have won like the MTV Lifetime yes, Achievement Award. Bruiser Lyman. Bruiser Lyman. Ugh, the Rainmaker. <laughs> and that was I resented being force-fed Matt Damon when I went to go see that movie. I resented everything about it. Yeah. And I went to see it on a day where I saw probably five movies. I saw like mm. The Jackal and Flubber and Anastasia and The Rainmaker and probably something else <laughs> all in the same day. Sounds like a good day. It really was not. But The Rainmaker, <laughs> so good. And I had just basement expectations. Yeah. It was so won over by that movie. I still love it so much to this day. It's my favorite of the Grishams. It's very, very good. Yeah. So... Excuse me. So what did you think of this as a double feature, as an experience? Uh, I thought it kind of dragged a little bit. Yeah. But because I enjoy Flutter's it. not great. Because Flutter's not great. I mean, it's not like, I think if I walked out of, you know, this imaginary movie theater that night, I would be kind of on a, a little bit of a high, but it would all be because of Runaway Jury. It's good that it was second. Yes. Because if Don't Say a Word was second, it would have dragged like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I kept trying to, like, see something that was like, what is Gary Fletter's contribution? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like the strobe slow-mo. That's, like, his signature touch. That's his zoom-in dolly-out. He gets out of the way of actors and just lets yeah, them I guess. kind of... Do bank like kind of work their persona for the most well although maybe not michael douglas well but. that's the thing don't say a word again yeah. except for britney murphy like i don't think does any of the actors any favors because mm. sean bean can do that part in his sleep and basically does yeah. michael douglas is not being used to his full capacity famkin jansen's not being used to her full capacity yeah um and Runaway Jury is kind of the opposite, which is just like, let's give all these actors good stuff to do and let them run with it. Mm -hmm. And that's why that movie's so entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just watch Runaway Jury. That would be my suggestion. Yeah. This, a long time ago, we did a column on like movies we can't turn off once we see them on. And my answer was Runaway Jury. That's a good answer. It's still my go-to answer. That's a very good answer. Because I have to watch it to the end. Mine's Boiler Room. Boiler Room's a good one. Yeah. All right. So if you had to redo this double feature yeah. with a different flutter yeah. and Runaway Jury, which would you pick? I'd probably do Things to Do in Denver when you're dead. Not oh, because man. not because I like it, yeah. but I think it's a more interesting, like, here's this guy's entry point. Okay. And then here's where he goes, Big Hollywood. I think I would go... It's also a better ensemble movie. But. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Because, like, I think Runaway Jury is sort of an outlier of this It group. is. Yeah. Because anything else is essentially a lateral move from Don't Say a Word. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you could put, like, Don't Say a Word and Kiss the Girls together really easily. But, like, that's not. That's a fucking four-hour nap. Yeah. So, anyways. Casanova. But I haven't seen Homefront, so. Yeah. Homefront's good. But, like, it wouldn't play with, like, Runaway Jury, okay. really. But... Okay. Yeah. Anyways. So moving on to moving on to the second, the second DF <laughs> DF, which is two uh, thousands workplace romances. 
And this was one that Adam came up with uh, because I programmed Employee of the Month because yes. I had recently <laughs> rewatched it on like Showtime back when I had Showtime. I reread the article. It was the movie channel. Was it the because <laughs> I gave you shit for having the for being the only person who had a subscription to the yeah. movie channel? I think and we you got it shot free. back. It was a bundle. <laughs> I think we got it free because we had Showtime at yeah. the time, and now we have no channels. Yeah. Um, I couldn't even watch uh, that Hallmark movie because we don't have the second Hallmark channel. Yeah. You probably didn't miss anything. I deleted it from the DVR. Did you watch so. it? No. Oh, okay. No. No. Um, but they only aired it like once, and it was on like Hallmark movies and mysteries. It wasn't even on like the core Hallmark channel. So I could have watched it if it was on core Hallmark. Yeah. I would have recorded it. We yeah. would be talking about it next week. Yeah, yeah. This Anyways. is the this is the the Bruce Campbell Hallmark movie. For Peter those Gallagher. Of you it was called like Remember the Night or something. Uh, sure. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, but it's not. It's no employee of the month. No, it's certainly not. And then uh, so Adam paired that with Clerks Two. Mm-hmm. As well as trailers, monster trailer block. Thank you. Uh, for Secretary, Adventureland, Anchorman, and Batting Cleanup, <laughs> no reservations. Yeah, very much the fourth movie <laughs> on the four pack. Um, so I'll say this. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to get into the trailers, but I don't want to bury the lead. Okay. Um, I did have a couple of adult beverages before watching Employee of the Month. <laughs> okay. But Employee of the Month capitalized fucking played. Like, I'm so happy to hear like, this. I thought I was sitting there watching Employee of the Month thinking, like, you know what? This movie should really be 90 minutes. But they really made a good use of the 18, the extra 18, because it was like 108. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? This is like three solid 36s. <laughs> Like, these acts are good, and, like, I'm like, even if the movie's not funny, this is just kind of a good story, and I'm like, and these characters got dimension to them, and I, like, remember, text like, drunkenly texting that to you, where I'm just like, I even think I said, like, they were multidimensional instead of saying, like, they were two-dimensional. You were like, it's the superior film. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I thought it was pretty fucking great. Yeah. Like, I, and I was stunned because, like, <laughs> I saw Employee of the Month when I was, uh, when it was in theaters. Yeah. It was opening weekend. I watched it right after The Departed and Oof. it did not do that movie any favors. No. And I mean, The Departed. Right. It did not do The Departed no. any no. favors. Um, but yeah, I just, like, it was in one year out the other. I was just like, Dane Cook seems like a douchebag. But, like, I kind of like Dane Cook at the time. I saw him do stand up once and I'm not proud of it. But, um, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like a stadium show, wasn't it? It was a United Center. Good Lord. Yeah, he was. John Mulaney's playing United Center now. Yeah. He's not big enough, I don't feel like. But, I mean, what do I know? Sebastian, uh, Maniscalco. Maniscalco played last night at United Center. United Center? Yeah. I don't get it. God damn. I remember when he was playing the improv. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't want to go then. Yeah. Yeah. I got no thoughts about him, really, but. He was in like I that, have one that I can't say on Mike. But. He was in like that Vince Vaughn Wild West comedy tour. Okay, and then he was in. He's good in the Irish. The Irishman. Yeah. yeah, he's very good in the Irish. But yeah. he's given the benefit of playing a character you're supposed to dislike. Right. So, yeah. Right. 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 Um. Yeah. Yeah. And then the trailers. So I haven't seen two of these movies. Okay. I've not seen Secretary or No Reservation. Secretary rules, which you can kind of tell by the trailer. I yeah. think. Yeah. Um. Because it's a pretty good trailer. If it doesn't, it doesn't fully represent the movie, but it tries. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it rules because Spader is great and twisted, and Maggie Gyllenhaal is like off the charts great in yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, no reservation. I, I saw all of these theatricals. No reservations. <laughs> this is all pre kids. Um, is not good. You mean but before you saw Larry Clark's kids? Correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no reservations. Like not good. Totally watchable in like an autumn in New York, like yeah. two o'clock on a Sunday. I like Catherine Zeta-Jones sure. enough. Yeah. Aaron Eckhart is inoffensive. Mm. Every line in this movie is like, it's the recipes you don't make yourself that are the best. Yeah. Like, every line is a cooking metaphor. It's a solid for title for a movie, too. Oh, where it's boy. Like, you know, because it's a restaurant. There's no reservations. <laughs> but, like, with your life, there should be no reservations. And then what, didn't Aaron Eckhart make this same movie with Jennifer Aniston? Love Happens. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw Love Happens. But I think he was sad bastard in that, not oh. like Rebel Cook. She's sad bastard in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, she's saddled with a kid she doesn't know what to do with. For all the window dressing of, you know, the world of high-pressure cooking and, like, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Aaron Eckhart's sexy, sexy time and, like, budding kid actor, you know, making yeah. it the bigs with, like, Little Miss Sunshine Bump with Abigail <laughs> Breslin. The whole time, I'm just like, wait a minute, this is another cooking movie that Patricia Clarkson's in? <laughs> and I was thinking about Simply Irresistible and thinking what like a red-hot fox she was in that, and I'm just like, I might have to watch No Reservations. There's worst, worst, worse ways to spend your time, Yeah, but I haven't seen it since the week it opened. I like how they're like, from the director of Shine. Oh my gosh. I, when, I, when I found out this was a Scott Hicks joint, I was just like, remember when he was respectable? Yeah. Now he's doing no reservations? I just think it's so funny, though, because it's just like somebody's in a theater watching this, and they're just like, this looks stupid. And it's like, oh, oh wait a minute. It's like, well, Shine is my favorite movie. From the director of Snow Falling on Cedars? <laughs> oh. Um, remember when Snow fell on the Cedars? <laughs> It's another fucking two-hour nap. Yeah, yeah. With some very pretty cinematography. Yeah, and a good trailer. I think I remember, like, Adam Thoss cried at that trailer. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite Thoss stories. <laughs> that and also when he said, like, The Dukes of Hazard was one of the best movies of, like... <laughs> that was on our 400 uh, episode, and I remember giving him shit about that. I'm just like, you giving that a passing grade is crazy. <laughs> um, so, and then the trailer for Adventureland completely undersells that movie. Misrepresents that movie. Misrepresents it. As a wacky it. comedy. It's a beautiful... It's movie. really good, it's but really it's not movie. super funny. And that movie no. is like Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig are managing yeah. an amusement park. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like this Woody Allen kid who can't figure it out. He's got a boner in the pool. Yeah. I don't know. Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that movie's really good, but uh, it is really good. misrepresented in the trailer. And then uh, I kind of have like misremembered not liking Anchorman because I'm just so over Will Ferrell yeah. and Adam McKay. But for yeah. some reason when I watched this trailer for Anchorman, I'm like, oh yeah, it is the original still is really funny. It is. Like the, the second one wasn't stinks. Yes. But like As but, does yeah. that that separate movie that they made from outtakes. Yeah. They kind of destroyed that movie's legacy. They stripped it for parts. Yeah, they yeah. did. They did. Yeah. Uh, but the first one is really funny. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, fun trailer block. Yeah. E- easy breezy. 
Easy breezy, and then we go into Clerks too. We'll come back. We'll circle back to Employee I was like, of the Month because we didn't gotta, talk about it yeah, enough. Yeah, we got to talk about that more. Yeah, Clerks too. Okay, so I've had like a, I've always liked Clerks too, but yeah. like, it's so cringy now. Like that's one thing that yeah. some of the humor, even in Employee of the <laughs> Month too, it's like there's such perfect encapsulations of like like, panic slurs lots yeah yeah. of like this is what 2006 bro comedy was yes and like it's tough to watch some of these moments like especially a lot of the jeff anderson stuff in clerks 2 is like pretty rough well the whole racial thing in clerks 2 so unnecessary and you just can't figure out how it ever seemed like a good idea yeah even in 2006, I recognize it was a different time. It's been 15 years. It's, but, like, it wasn't that different of a time. Yeah, and it's so, like, it makes it even grosser because they're just like, but Wanda Sykes is in on the joke and she, right. like, allows it to be okay. Right. And it's like, it's not. It's just not cool. And all the – I talked about this a little bit with Rob, I think, when we did the Dogma show yeah. because there's so much, like, gay panic in Kevin Smith movies. Yeah. And I – genuinely don't believe him to be a homophobic man well did, you saw that clerk documentary he, yeah his brother's gay right and he said that basically like he's been nothing but nice about like his you know when he found out about his brother's lifestyle he's been you know tolerant and supportive and everything like that but he's just got this weird fascination with like so this is what dudes do when they're gay and like it's if you don't like know that like all are like are remembering it the whole time it just feels weird like i don't know and even knowing that it feels weird it still feels weird because i don't believe him to be a homophobic person and yet i'm just like but why do you just keep going back to this like it's not funny yeah there's like a lot it's like um those flavored beans in harry potter were like (laughs) If you, like, stick your hand in the clerk's two bag, you might get, like, a delicious, like, jelly bean. Yeah. But you also might get one that's earwax. Yeah. yeah that's sure. kind of how I feel about clerk's two. Clerk's two sticks the – which I think was on my top ten for 2006, by the way. Okay. When Erica and I finally get around to that one, once we finally do 2005, which mm-hmm. we've been, like, trying to build up to forever. Yeah. Um, my suspicion is it will fall off the list. Mm-hmm. Um, clerk's two sticks the landing – so hard it's really good that i'm yeah. convinced it's a way better movie than it has been for about an hour and a half yes yeah because when it finally like admits what it's about and allows the characters to like speak their hearts mm-hmm. and then the way that it puts together them rebuilding the quick stop and using the song um what's the song <laughs> i don't remember because now I'm confusing it with the Soul Asylum song that plays over the end credits, which yeah. is great because the Soul Asylum song, a different Soul Asylum song, plays over the end credits of the first mi- Clerks. Misery. Misery is the one from Clerks Two. Right. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember what the song is when they're rebuilding the Quick Stop is. Yeah. But but it, I just I, watched this like two days ago. And I, I, I do too. Yeah. No, I agree with <laughs> you. you though, like There's the excuse. Yes. It, it, and this is a that was a great. Not that I advocate like any, but but I don't you know denounce it either. But right. like. Watch these two drunk. It's fun. It's really fun. Um, so the uh, no, but like yeah, that ending is like I think it's almost like a mm. f- progressive message that like you don't see in movies often enough. Where it's just like 
this bill of goods that you're sold like isn't for everybody and like if you're happy with your station in life even if it's not necessarily like what society deems as you know maximizing your potential if you're happy then who gives a shit like do what you want to do and i think that's like such a simple sweet message for the movie and it makes it seem like a better movie than it probably is it's also such an interesting like personal statement coming from kevin smith yeah who at this point hadn't really tried to branch out that much Mm -hmm. i mean this is him admitting that like this is my lane and this is what i'm happy doing i know i said i was done with the view esque universe and jay and silent bob and i went and made jersey girl and you know one of my complaints about kevin smith is that he's just such a reactionary filmmaker so like people didn't like jersey girl i'll make clerks too yeah um if it were to come out now, I still think it would be so relevant because it's him saying, like, no, I'm happy making Yoga Hosers and Tusk and these weird fucking movies. Mm-hmm. And he's making Clerks 3, and I wonder what the message of Clerks 3 is going to be. Yeah. Because, again, it feels very reactionary. Now, I know a little bit about the plot of Clerks 3, and I know that it's coming from a very autobiographical place. Okay. So I'll be interested to see, you know, what he has to say in that movie. And I'm looking forward to it, honestly. Um so it's almost ahead of its time, not just in the way that you're talking about, but mm-hmm. in terms of his career, too, you yeah. know, as, as a mission statement for his career. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really good. The, the whole yeah. last sequence from the jail cell on. Yeah. It's really good. The stuff before it is like, okay to terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I would I would lean more towards okay most of the time, but like... Yeah, the gay panic, the racial humor, the bestiality stuff. Right. Like, it just, I, not fun. The um, dance number is fun. The dance number is fun. Anytime Rosario Dawson's on screen, it's good. The movie tries really hard. Yeah. It kind of bends over backwards to explain, like, why she's working here. Yeah. Why she might be interested in Dante. Mm-hmm. And Brian O'Halloran, I think, is good in this movie. Yeah. I think they both are. Him and mm-hmm. Jeff Anderson, I think, are both good, probably better than they are in yeah. Clerks. Yeah. In terms of acting, I mean, I'm sure. not saying Yeah, that. and I like Jeff Anderson as a, like, I like, <clears throat> even though Randall is, this is something that I find difficult to unpack with Randall as a character, is, like, the stuff he says is so, like, offensive, but, like, and I think that's the point. Like, But, yeah. like, he's still, like, a likable character. Like, I'm still sure. okay with him. Most of the time, he reminds me a lot of one of my cousins. Okay. And, like, you're just, like, shaking your head at him, but it's like you know that he's just, like, it's, like, out of ignorance more than, like, okay. ill intent. Right. So, I right. don't know. So I, But, yeah, I always, like, I don't know. It's, it's weird because I kind of feel the same way with, like, Jay and Silent Bob. Well, not so much Silent Bob, but with Jay. Like, I'm always kind of back and forth of, like, do I like Jason Mewes or do I tolerate Jason Mewes? Sure. And I think I, and that's another thing. I think he kind of rides the coattails of the sweetness of the end of this movie. And yeah, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back kind of does the same thing too, where it's like the the heart of the movie, the message that Kevin Smith, the you know reason why he's putting this movie together, almost forgives like everything because it's right. like, oh, he's just this big softy, right? So, and this I believe was like a movie that he kind of did for Jason Mewes, right? When he got clean, I think so. Yeah. Which makes me forgive a bunch of stuff, too, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's funny enough in the movie. Yeah. I think Trevor Furman is is funny. He's given a lot of, like... Is he play the kid, the teenager yeah, kid? Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. I forgot um, what his character's name is. 
Oh my gosh, I just watched this movie. It's all <laughs> it's Elias? Elias, yeah. That's right, okay. Um, I think sometimes he overdoes the shtick that he's invented. Yeah. Um, but I he he finds weird ways of approaching his lines, and I kind of appreciate that. He's not... Um, Dante and Randall both tend to be Kevin Smith yeah. in that sort of rapid-fire, rat-a-tat dialogue, and Trevor Furman is doing something different for better and for worse it's kind of an interesting counterbalance because like and maybe it's just because you know miramax 1994 black and white age of tarantino clerks thing but like i always kind of associate it where it's like clerks is like if it was a serious xm station it's lithium and it's like <laughs> and it's like elias is like radio disney right. and it's kind of like <laughs> right. fun to put those two together so yeah. i think it works yeah Again, he's asked to do stupid things, the whole pillow pants thing. I was just going to say, pillow pants is really funny. See, I don't yeah. think it's funny at all. <laughs> See, I thought that was really funny. I think it's really funny. I think his delivery of it is funny yeah. in terms of how he's like, everyone knows this. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. I was drunk, too. <laughs> it helps. It helps. <laughs> um yeah, no, I, uh, and also maybe it was the alcohol, but like I kept thinking like the entire time where I'm just like, oh, Halloran and Schwabach look like Rob Zombie and Sherry Moon Zombie. <laughs> he takes it that time. Yeah, too. I was just like, what's going on? <laughs> um, uh, so let's go back to employee of the month. E-O-T-M. This is one of maybe like the biggest bumps of 2021 for me. <laughs> I'm so excited. Like, I don't know what, like, I don't think this is played better for any person. <laughs> no, ever. there's no way. <laughs> the entire time I was watching, I'm like, this is a screwball comedy classic. <laughs> <laughs> it frustrates me that it's not funnier because it has yeah. its head in the right place. Yeah. Very early on. The house that... has such a solid foundation. <laughs> it does. I think it's, I think it was ahead of its time in terms of making fun of this kind of, I've never watched the show Superstore. Yeah. Uh, my understanding is that it's essentially about a Sam's Club or Costco mm-hmm. type place and everybody that works there. And so yeah. I'm sure there's lots of jokes about that. This movie is years ahead of that mm-hmm. and making some funny jokes about that, particularly in that opening sequence where they're yeah. buying guns off the shelf just <laughs> in, in boxes yeah. or where the lady's dragging a coffin and needing help with it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. the movie needs more of this. Like yeah. the movie needs more funny stuff about these stores and sort of what they represent mm-hmm. because – once that's established, yeah, it kind of becomes like a formulaic sort of romantic comedy, workplace comedy. Yeah. And I was on board for every minute of it. <laughs> no, I'm on board with yeah. it too. I find this movie entertaining. I think the cast is good. I think of if we're going to say that Dane Cook had like three major at-bats as a movie star, this okay. one is easily the best. Okay, so is this Good Luck Chuck and then uh, what are My we? Best Friend's Girl. Oh, okay. I never saw My Best Friend's Girl. It's not good. Yeah, yeah. And he had more to work with in Good Luck Chuck. He's working opposite Jessica Alba, who at least is a movie star, not Jessica Simpson, who's a musician. And yeah. By the way, I think she's fine in this movie. I'm not saying anything bad about Jessica there, Simpson. Yeah, I mean, like, she's got, like, a pretty lamely written character and, you know, she's doing the best that she can. She's basically, like, only asked to just play her persona on Newlyweds. Right. And that's it. Right. Um, But they gave her big ears, which was a weird choice. They did give her big ears. (laughs) Watching that part drunk was very much like... Like, I was leaning in. There was a couple parts of the movie where I was, like, leaning in. And, like, another part where I was just like, is this, like, a sneaky... Like, I'm like, this is just, like... 
like character work, like by Dax <laughs> Shepard. Like he like like this is like a real fully thought out character. Yeah. Like this is a persona. He's, like I don't feel like he's playing himself at all. He's definitely trying. Yeah. Dane Cook coasting a little bit and probably needed to be funnier again for a guy who's known for yeah. being a stand up comedian making the transition to film. He probably needs to be funny in the movie. Yeah, he needs to be like Bill Murray, Sam Rockwell funny. Right. And he's got the look. But, right. But yeah, he doesn't... like. I think he's trying too hard to be like... And maybe this is kind of like a weird thing to say, but like he's trying too hard to be like a character with like a backstory of like sure. I was this dot com right, guy and right. I borrowed my grandmother's money and now I just don't want responsibility and everything. And it's just like, yeah, but like, I don't know, maybe don't just be like a layabout, maybe be kind of like a jerk, too, or something like that. So because it's pretty early that they established that like Dak Shepard's like clearly the villain he's clearly the bad guy but <laughs> then the glove like, and everything and like Dax Sh- and uh, dane cook is like the nice guy where it's like maybe it would be more interesting if they were both pieces of shit yeah and and one know. redeems himself i don't know like i don't know it's just like i just think it's like too easy me sure like because you could have him be like a little bit more of a like ryan reynolds and waiting type of guy right Right, uh, yeah. right, right, right. Well, and you know, part of the problem is the the misunderstanding or whatever that this movie tries very hard to graft mm-hmm. is that Jessica Simpson finds out that like he only wants to be employee of the month, so she'll sleep with him. And it's like, no, 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 we forgot that subplot like an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's in her file that she like just right. goes from store to store like to hook up with the employees of the month it's just become so apparent yeah. for a long time in the movie that like he no he genuinely likes her because she's jessica fucking simpson yeah. like and it has nothing to do with trying to scheme to become employee of the month so that she'll sleep with him yeah so when they have that misunderstanding and she gets mad i'm just like what are we talking about why are we upset about this at this point in the movie that is long since forgotten mm-hmm I was drinking, so like, <laughs> I was I was kind of upset that like he was that Dax Shepard kept getting these gold stars every yeah, month. Yeah. When I'm just like, look how backed up his line is. Yeah, right. I'm just like, I don't want to be in that. Like, I don't want cocktail when I go to like. Oh yeah, no. Sam's you need club a show. and stuff like that. I don't need the show. You do. You get the hippie hippie shake going on. I don't know. <laughs> Efren Ramirez might be at his best in this movie like <laughs> i thought he was pretty great he's good in crank also he's good at, yeah i mean like i do you like napoleon dynamite no. okay i liked it at the time i haven't okay. seen it in a long time no. but like i think that he's he's got a fun comic timing yeah it's so. a weird thing that like they try to yeah. put in other movies like i yeah. think in, in napoleon dynamite it works because mm-hmm almost by accident it's like we cast a guy who shouldn't be in a movie and it works in this movie yeah under this very specific set of circumstances yeah once you take him out and try putting him in other movies it's like oh, it doesn't it's same with john heater like this doesn't work as well speaking of napoleon dynamite i was watching um the protege recently sure when i saw robert patrick show up i was like he looks like napoleon dynamite's mom now <laughs> It was, it was I forgot. Weird. He's like a biker in that movie. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Well, he is a biker, but I mean, like, I don't know. He just looks interesting. Not the worst movie. 
It's okay. Yeah. I like it when Michael Keaton's on screen. He certainly and Maggie brings it Q's to life. Good. Maggie Q's very good in it, too. Worthy of having lots of uh, action movie roles. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no. Employee of the Month is 108 minutes of, like, crackling comedic <laughs> gold. I just, I feel like it needs to be funnier. Yeah. And I say this as someone who likes this movie. I enjoy this movie. Yeah, but also you and I are kind of fans of... Of a lot of comedies that are never funny. True. So, like, this is kind of just one for the badge for <laughs> I me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most romantic comedies tend to not be that funny. Mm-hmm. And this isn't completely a romantic comedy. That's more of a subplot. This is more of a workplace comedy because the, the ultimate conflict is will he be employee of the month, not will he get together with Jessica Simpson? Yeah. And it's like he needs to do it for himself, for his pride, right? right and everything like that. Right. So, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I was I was curious enough after I watched the movie. I'm just like, who, you know, what else has Greg Coolidge directed? And then I looked at that filmography, and I was just like, the only one I've heard of is Sorority Boys, and I don't think I need to watch Sorority Boys. I saw that movie opening night. Were you lonely? Uh, no. It just we just went to see anything that came out. I just meant was anybody else in the theater? Oh, it was full. What? Well, this was again back in Employee of the Month is literally the only movie he's directed. No, the Turkey Bowl, which I also saw. <laughs> I've seen the Turkey Bowl. Yeah, um, that's the one with Carrie Bechet, right? Is it? I like Carrie Bechet. She's an Edward Byrne staple. Uh, no, I have the wrong movie. What the hell's the one with Carrie Bechet? Are there two movies called The Turkey Bowl? This one has uh, Ryan Hansen and Brett Cullen. Okay, Leah McKendrick. I don't know. Um. He's written some stuff. Like, he wrote Sorority Boys. He wrote Ride Along. Oof. Yeah. Yikes. He wrote and directed The Turkey Bowl. So he left it all out on the field. For but Employee, Employee of the, the Month was really the one. Let's let's uh, just for a minute talk about Dane Cook. Yeah. Because he recently came up in another Friday Night Double Features. Yeah. Uh, which is probably what inspired me to, like pick this double feature because we had just been talking about Dane Cook and I was like, oh, I feel like rewatching Employee of the Month. Yeah. I think, like Andrew Dice Clay, mm-hmm. he's a bad stand-up. But I think he has the goods as a movie star. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... It's funny because for some reason, I when you said he's a bad stand-up, I yeah. like got on the defensive. But then I took like a step back. <laughs> I never was like, into his stand-up. I, I think at the, I mean, like I don't know why I think of he it was now, hugely but, like, popular. Yeah, so it's yeah, I liked him for a while. Um, but uh, no, I mean he's and he's different in enough stuff where like I think his persona fits a lot of different types of characters, like. Mr. Brooks, he's kind of like kind of like a skeevy like photographer type yeah, guy. Yeah. And then like in Dan in real life, he kind of does this weird sort of He's like the younger brother. He's right? like the younger brother, but he's like oddly sensitive. Right. Like it's it's something where yeah, it's it's it was I I was I've been rewatching Dan in real life in like ten minutes <laughs> pieces. I don't know why. But um but yeah, the thing I keep getting taken back by by is just like, man, he's like, he's like this puppy dog who like 
you're like, oh, he's going to get his heart, like, he's going to get so hurt when he gets dumped by somebody. And it's such, like, a weird thing when you, like, see that guy. You just kind of expect him to be, like, Bradley Cooper in Wedding Crashers. Or, like, to be, like, this kind of alpha jerk. Alpha sociopath jerk. But he's not. Yeah, I don't know. And even in, like, Good Luck Chuck, they're trying to kind of soften him, even though he's, like, this serial womanizer and things like that. Well, yes, but he's doing it for them. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I just rewatched Good yeah. Luck Chuck. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. It's on Netflix. Okay. And after we had a conversation about it, I'm like, is it as bad as I remember? And it 100% is. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm so like Team Dan Fogler, <clears throat> but I'm just like, that guy's good. That movie will cure you of <laughs> any Dan Fogler, because he is repellent in that movie like everything he says everything he does fanboys take me home tonight fantastic beast he's the only thing i like in those i think he's just so good in the right part i don't know yeah it's not even that he's bad and good luck chuck it's just the part that they wrote for him is the worst human being and he's i guess too good at it Mm. and jessica alba they do that thing where it's like she's pretty she has to have a flaw oh she's klutzy yeah well yeah Happens. Which is what they always do. Yeah. Like, she has it together, but oh, she's a clutch. She has big ears. Right, exactly. <laughs> Jessica Simpson just seems too perfect. Just what could her, it be? Oh, take she her has... down a peg. I, 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 yeah. Again, I wish the movie had more jokes like that because it's such a weird, absurdist joke. Like, the ears mm-hmm. are so big that you're like, well, why didn't the movie go for weird more often? You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know where Dane Cook went. Yeah, I, I know, know he started either. dating like a 19 year old or something like that. And that was the last I had heard of Dane Cook. Let's check that this he was out. dating somebody much younger than him. That's not um, good. I don't know that he does stand up. Maybe he does it locally in LA now. I have no idea. He doesn't seem to tour. He doesn't show up in movies. I'm more interested in him in kind of character y parts, as we talked about in like Dan in Real Life and Mr. Brooks, than I am in terms of leading man stuff. But like. It's not that he's bad in Good Luck Chuck or even My Best Friend's Girl. It's just that, like, they're trying so hard to transplant him into a movie star. And I I like Employee of the Month better because he's still a little bit of an underdog. Yeah. No, and he's been pretty much just, like, off the grid. Like, some TV stuff and, like, he was a voice of Dusty Crop Hopper in Planes. I remember that. I remember that. Um He's on, like, Louie, Hawaii Five-0, Comedy Bang Bang, Robot Chicken, stuff like that. So That's it, huh? Yeah. He's just that's it. laying around in piles of money, I He guess. made a lot of money. He did. He did okay for himself. I do think it's funny, like, when I, I kind of got, like, the whiplash of, like, watching Dan in real life where it's just, like, he's dating Juliette Binoche, and it's, like, he's dating Jessica Simpson. And I'm just, like, I much more buy Jessica Simpson than I buy <laughs> Juliette Binoche. I think they dated for real when they were making this movie. Oh, uh, Employee of the Month? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I don't sense. know. Yeah. Cause she was she doing Newlyweds at the time? I think this was after Newlyweds. I was think so, over. too. Yeah, because Newlyweds was, like, definitely running when I was in school, and I graduated in 04, so okay. this was 06. So, yeah. Newlyweds was running when we got married because mm-hmm. we watched it a lot mm-hmm. and Erica was really into Jessica Simpson just like m- mostly her looks. Okay. <laughs> like not yeah. not so much her music, not so much her persona on that show. Um she just really was a fan of Jessica Simpson like her look and 
the night before we got married, I bought the Jessica Simpson CD from Target and gave it to Erica as a wedding gift. Aww, that's <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah. Did you um, know that? Because Nick then was... the other night, oh. when we were texting about favorite Jessica Simpson songs, you named the one, and I pulled it yeah. up. I'm like, I don't remember that song, and I pulled it up. It's a good or song. you sent it to me. You sent me the video. Yeah. And I pressed play, and I was like, oh, Erica, listen to this. She said, Dad, did, does Adam know you bought me this CD? I was like, no, I didn't tell him, but now everybody knows. I definitely checked out Jessica Simpson's CD from the library and burned <laughs> it. Um, yeah, no, the, so- the song that I think is clearly her best song is With You. Right. Um, okay, Nick Lachey. Yeah. I'm going to look up his discography. Okay. Because I was a fan of 98 Degrees. I always thought they were kind of like the band dam of uh, the boy band era. All right. Where it's era. just like, you know, they're not the Schwarzenegger of the of NSYNC or the Backstreet right. Boys of Stallone. Got but, it. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so. Era, where does O-Town fit? Uh, Nick Lachey. <laughs> O-Town would be like Don the Dragon Wilson. <laughs> um, so Nick Lachey had his first solo album in 2003, <clears throat> and it's one of my favorite album titles ever. Okay. It's capital S, lowercase O, lowercase U, lowercase L, capital O, solo. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. But he had, um, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to tell this story. It's not flattering, but like, <laughs> I was listening to his CD once in my car, and I started crying during one of the songs. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's because it was really good, and it got to me. I'm trying to find out. I cried out what... in a movie theater once because <laughs> movie tunes played against all odds. I remember you told me that. Okay, I'm trying to think of. Okay, what was the song that I cried during? <laughs> okay, there was "Shut Up," which is just a jam. Sure, it's not that. It's not "Let no. Go." It might be this. I swear. I know this, I swear. That's is that the, the song from Newlyweds? Newlyweds? Yeah. Is that the one I cried during? <laughs> Were you sad the Newlyweds had ended? Were you sad that they couldn't make it work? Because if they can't make it work, no, what it hope was, is there for the rest of us? I don't think it was on solo. I think it was on a later album. Oh, it's boy. on What's Left of Me. Oh, it was the song What's post, Left of Me. That's post-divorce. It was the song What's Left of Me. I was, yeah, that was the one. Sure. It was either, oh, and I Can't Hate You Anymore. Did I cry at two of his songs? <laughs> I might, I'm going to have to go to the library and burn these. <laughs> Alexa, play on <laughs> what's left of me. <laughs> you rented this. <laughs> this is on you. This is on you, <laughs> dumb ass. Um, but yeah, Nick, Nick Lachey was. Did you know that Nick Lachey was such a party animal that they used to call him Mr. Floor because it was always like he was going to get on the dance floor? I did not know that at all. I don't know why I do. I know so little about Nick Lachey. Yeah, his brother Drew. Yeah, I remember being like these. These he two was also guys in ninety eight degrees, right? He was. Yeah, yeah. He was also on Newlyweds for a little bit. They were like the other couple. They were like the I Barney remember and Betty that. Yeah, yeah. They totally were <laughs> yeah. the Fred and Ethel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. I we should talk know. about we should have a separate like podcast just about like early two thousands pop culture so we could talk about Dane Cook and like Yeah. Well that's Jessica what we're doing Simpson. here. <laughs> yeah, but like could this be the first episode of that? Yeah. Okay. It's just funny uh, out of all the people in this movie that only like Dax Shepard is still a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I listened to... Marlon Williams like went away because he created Puppy Dog Pals for Disney. Have you ever seen that show? Do you, Wait, that, your niece what? and nephew watch that no, show? No, he's, he's like made a ton of money because of that? That dude is fucking rolling in money. Interesting. Yeah. I need to see Rocket Man. 
Uh, yeah, I've never seen William yeah, Sadler. That was one of those one-offs. Like he's uh, a movie star, right? No, Andy, okay. Andy we're sorry. Dick at the end of his not run. a thing. Jessica Simpson, kind of not a thing anymore. Dane Cook in hiding. That one like, guy who's the other friend from the stock keeping yeah. group who was on Seinfeld. Yeah, he's not a thing anymore. No, it's really just uh, Dax Shepard. Yeah. He did a a podcast episode because um, he hosts a show, and then like he interviewed Tarantino, so like maybe like a Dex year or Shepard two ago. Did? Yeah, okay. It was a good interview. I didn't know he had a podcast. Yeah, it was a good interview because it was definitely like one of those ones where it's like you're an actor, you're not just some guy. Like I'll right, tell okay. you real stuff. Right. Oh, so it okay. was good. It was a good episode. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to track it down. Yeah, I, it was funny because I remember like Tarantino talking about how like. They're, they're, they're saying something like with COVID, like, are you sad to see theaters going away and stuff like that? And Tarantino said something like, he's just like, not with most of these theaters, they could all go to hell. And like, he talks about how shitty the theatrical experience is. Yeah. And I'm just like, huh, this is good. It's pretty true. Yeah. Yeah. I saw something. Oh, I saw West Side Story and IMAX and they didn't show Kidman before it. No? Nope. They no, showed, yeah, they no, showed Kidman, Kidman before uh, my regular old digital screen. I had to see like three promos for IMAX, which is just like, yeah. I'm already seeing the movie in IMAX. Why are you selling me on fucking IMAX? It's the you wouldn't steal a car right. thing. It's just like, <laughs> oh I'm God. already doing this the honest <laughs> way. But I always want to like, like I saw AMC's playing Being the Ricardos, and I only kind of want to go just to see if Kidman does show up. <laughs> She might. Like, it would be, like, the most meta thing ever yeah. where she, like, walks in during her promo. Right. God, that would be great. I hope she does. Yeah. Anything else we want to say about any of these double features? Uh, No, no. I mean, like, maybe this show was super esoteric because it's just, like, us paying <laughs> homage to, like, our columns. Uh-huh. But, like, I have a blast writing them. I think they're really fun. And I think it's something that, yeah. like, is a fun exercise for anybody. It's just, like, yeah. just get, like... One of your buddies who also likes movies, it's just like, just name a random movie and then force them to pick a theme and a pairing for it. It's a fun game. Also, I think most of them are like pretty good double features. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I kind of regret not doing that more often just for fun. Like, yeah. just kind of going through, like, our double features. Like, I was very close to picking um, Bulletproof and the Glimmer Man and just having a weigh-ins night. And I'm like... That sounds that great. That would have been solid. That would have been really fun. Yeah. So, And if we lived in L.A. and we found out the New Beverly was doing that, we for sure would go. Yes. You know? Like, I first wanted to go to the New Beverly because they were playing The Taking of Beverly Hills. And I was like, there's a yeah. movie theater playing that movie? I want to mm. go there. Yeah. Um, so the more, like, random the movie is, the more I'm just like, yeah, fuck yeah. If they're playing Jaws in 35, I'm like, yeah, whatever. But they're playing the Glimmer Man in 35? I'm yeah, going. Exactly. I mean, like, it would be almost more exciting if they had, like, Jaws 3D and exactly. Friday the 13th 3D exactly. as a double feature than if you saw Jaws and Friday right. the 13th together. Right. It's like, that's the thing. Like, the, like the Glimmer Man is built for this experience. Right. Exactly. Employee of the Month is built for this experience. <laughs> yeah. Employee of the Month will play no better than if you pair it with Clerks 2. And those trailers. And those trailers. And have drinks. Solid night of movies, yeah. I gotta say. I walked away from, like, Clerks 2's end credits, Roll, Misery by Soul Asylum's yeah. playing, yeah. and I went to bed and I'm like, did I just have a perfect evening? You pretty much did. I just did. <laughs> it happened. Yeah. It was good. Next week is our holiday show. I'm very excited. Me too. I have lots of work to do before then. Yeah. Well, it's fun work. It is fun work. It's good work. Yeah. And uh, we'll have um, 
a super section on Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, right. Because we will have seen it by then. We will have seen that by then. Shit. Um, we will have a spotlight showcase holiday pick. Yeah. yeah. As per tradition. Right. Um, I noticed that in 2017, 2019, I picked a random Amy Smart movie to watch. So I'm thinking, do I have to keep that tradition going as a yeah. biannual Smart pick? Yeah. So you gotta watch that dancing movie. So Love at First Glance, starring her and Adrian Grenier, will be oh, discussed. Nice. Yeah. Which I watched like 15 minutes of, and I. She's been eating the same piece of tiramisu for like 14 of those minutes. <laughs> it's maddening. It's like when I'm watching Last Christmas and Amelia Clark is dragging a rolling suitcase for 45 minutes. And I'm just like, I don't care what happens in the rest of the movie. Just get rid of the suitcase. <laughs> or like Jonathan Reese Myers is carrying a vase of cocaine throughout 30 minutes of From Paris with Love. And it's just like, just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Yeah. 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 Uh, the only Adrian Grenier romantic comedy I'll recognize is uh, Drive Me Crazy. Okay. I don't, that's one movie where I'm just like, have I seen it or haven't I? I definitely saw it theatrically. Okay. I definitely own it on DVD. <laughs> wow. That's endorsement enough for me to check it out. Is it? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> A little bit. Um, I think I liked it because the Donnas played their school dance. God, I love the Donnas. Hell yes. The Donnas, the Veronicas, all those groups from all the early 2000s. Yep. Shell Branch, where are you? <laughs> She's just hanging out with Dane Cook. Oh, man. <laughs> what bar? I want to go. <laughs> uh, I'm excited about our holiday show. Very, mm. very excited. And then, of course, we launch into our best of 2021 series with mm -hmm. our overrated, underrated show. and our, one of my favorite shows of the year. And our best of the year show, which is mm -hmm. another of my favorites, which will be out the first week of January. So Sounds that's good. the next couple weeks, everybody. Awesome. And then February Spawn. Yeah. And then For our dog. What is it? Uh, February. It wasn't a dog. What? No, it wasn't dog. It was, it was like, like turkey. But... February Sci-Fi Fantasy Fuck Up. <laughs> there it is. Slot. <laughs> Um, next October will be Wolf. <laughs> I don't know if I can wait till October for Wolf. We got Johnny Mnemonic on the slate. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of good stuff coming. I'm most excited for 90210, <laughs> which I will not spoil just yet what 90210 is, but I think it's one of my most inspired themes. <laughs> we got good shows coming, so God. thank you guys for listening. And until then, you can have what's left of me. Thanks for listening to FS Movie.